the number two is like I always made sure I had smell all that smell you, you, yeah, never, smell want some, you, you yeah. never want that aroma you never I've been some that's certain. worst that's oh the worst God. you can't roll up on it cause it'll <laughs> I've been in so many situations where I'm like bro I can smell the, either the sink off you or I can or smell just the ass off you there's just there's just a lot of absolute nonsense this real quick she says she gonna feed me I'm gonna get Welcome to the Any Last Words Pod. My name is Earl Lonnie Hooks. A very, very special thanks to everybody that will be joining us today on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. The God in me honors the God in each and every one of you. Also, I didn't forget, please do not forget to follow us at ALW Pod on Instagram. Today we have Will. Help me um pronounce his last name. Bullock. Bullock. Yes. Bullock. Yes. Got it. Cool. Do you, does anyone ever fuck that up? Yeah, there's, uh, it's like Bullock. They do lick for some reason. I, don't, I do not understand that as a Southern thing. Um, apparently, Bullock. I'm I'm uh, related to Sandra Bullock. I have no clue how that's related. Uh, Yours is B-U-L-L-O-C-H, correct? Isn't her oh, no, C-K? C-K. Oh, it is C-K. It's C-K, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I don't know where I got that. No, C-H is our Bullock drivers where the oh, Regal Max Theater. Okay, I'm a Manassas nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Manassas nigga. That's what that is. Okay, I'm sorry. Part, yeah. Pardon me. Nah, How man. are you today, sir? I am great, man. I got yes. to see my mom the day before coming on the show, so it's nice. it always a great time. Very nice. How's mom doing? Mom is great. Team? She is packing up the house. She She's going to set up the, the childhood home. Uh, yeah. How do you feel? It's interesting. Um, do you, I mean, do you even do you hold on to sentimental value for these types of things? I think sentimental value in certain uh, things of aspects of your life. Yes, like there's certain moments and you're like you you grasp onto a little bit. Like I like I said, we, we you live in an area that I used to live at. Right. This apartment is the same layout as my apartment, so I'm getting that. Like I was here a couple years ago. That sentimental feel like that feeling. Like I remember a tree in the back before they do all this fucking construction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But nah, I, like little things, yeah. Because like I still see my old room, my old room turned mm. in my dad's uh, upstairs, uh, like office, office or kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. it still got the same shade of color blue, mm. same doors, same everything. Like my old TV, like everything. So it's like it, it's sentimental, but I understand like everything grows, everything changes. Yeah, where, so, she, where she? I mean, you don't got to tell us no, where, where. But like, is she headed far away? Or is she I don't think so. Uh, she's up in the air with that right now. I oh. think that she really just wants to move forward. Uh, the reason why she's selling is because my dad recently passed last year. Understood. Um, we were having so much joy. It's like everything's like yeah. <laughs> I love. It's gonna go up and it's, it's gonna, gonna go, go down. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, nah, my dad recently passed. And I understand it's a big, it's a big house. My mom doesn't want to be the only one there. So uh, I, I completely understand that. So mm-hmm. I understand that she wants to progress in something else. She might be moving down towards my sister in Richmond okay. uh, because she has kids. I do not. So I think she, mm-hmm. big, big grandmother status. I understand. Yeah. Big mama status. I understand. Yeah. Uh, but if she wants to, I live in Alexandria, so I know. Hell no. She ain't coming nowhere near me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prices are outrageous. Yeah. No, that's love. Uh, I grew up. I grew up with grandmas in my life. Everyone mm-hmm. doesn't, but that, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a huge thing. Oh, it? Big Mama's always a thing, man. Yeah, so I recently lost my grandma. That Sorry was in January. Mm-hmm. So could you mind me asking when you lost your father? My dad was last August. Oh, last August. Yeah. Yes. That's still, that's still and it's, it's not as hard. I think dealing with loss is different. I think that okay. uh, everyone has different things or different values, but if you look at the certain times that you have with that person, 
You shouldn't be dwelling on anything else. If you made mm. your peace in bed with it, that's the key thing. Yeah, you gotta find your peace in bed with it. And a lot of black and the black community, we don't see that often. Um, but I also had help with my therapist as well. I do. I'm a black man that goes to therapy, um, which is not common, which should be more common. Uh, but I think that helped out a lot. I think just understanding how my dad moved. My dad was East Orange, Jersey. My dad was a hood, mm. cutthroat military guy. And I'm over here in the burbs. We 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 are not the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably didn't see eye to eye on yeah. everything. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I you look at different things in different lenses now, right? Like, I was thankful for my dad being able to grow up where he grew up and get out of the places where he was at to have the opportunity. My mom can sell a house mm. and make some money off of it. So you see, and justified means and everything. So if you see in through that kind of lens, uh, I think everything else should be fine. Uh, and you gotta make your peace in some way. And so did you feel like you made peace? Like, did you all have peace mm-hmm. before? Yeah, mm-hmm. see, the, yeah, that's been my biggest thing with it. Because I've known family members to maybe not have the sort of peace that I had mm-hmm. with my grandma when mm-hmm. she passed on. Because mm-hmm. that I came on here talking about it. Like, when my grandma passed, I was like, yo, we were solid. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. super. Like, she left in a house full of people that loved her. Mm-hmm. She, she passed in the house. Mm-hmm. And... As far as I'm concerned, with with her and I, mm-hmm. she knew I loved her. Yes. I knew she loved me. Yes, there, there was nothing. There were no feuds. There was no nothing no. that did. Mm-hmm. There were no unfinished threads. Not, none of that happened. Mm-hmm. But if you do have those, mm-hmm. that's a completely different thing yeah. going on in your psyche. And I, I, you know, and I don't know how that plays out for people mm-hmm. when that happens. So that's why I, you know, I, not that's not why I was doing it long before that. But mm-hmm. that's just another reinforcement another element of reinforcement that tells me yo make your peace with people oh yeah um i think fucking peace i think it's different for everybody i think one of my it's kind of funny how everything everything happens for a reason that everything kind of repeats itself when my dad my grandfather before he passed him and his dad my dad made peace with him way before then but they got close as the years went on Mm. same thing with me and my dad when i finally got out the house and started handling my things right around when i got married because we were on the rocks a little bit then with his diagnosis. And when people get diagnosed, you, you go through the five stages of grief kind of thing. Yeah. He was going through one of those stages. And we had a tiff. And it was one of those things that had wake him up like, look, man, you're like, you got to fight through this because we can't all just like bear this. Like you, he was depressed at the time. I can yeah. understand that now. Because right. like you look at these, like I can understand that now. But at the time I was like, you look, you got to wake up a little bit. Like you still got some life left. Like have that. So when we had that little tiff and then we got back, when we had that tiff, we got back together. We actually talked about a lot more things than I expected. Um, it's actually kind of funny when he's been gone. Me and my mother has uh, really talked about a lot of things um, from Pat, like different things that she asked me about that. I'm like, all right. If I honestly asked my mom one thing, I was like, you want 100% true? You want no fluff, no bullshit? Right. And she was like, yeah, I want 100% true. Just give me straight. I give you straight. So I got a lot. I got a lot of stuff closure between the both of them. Mm. Um, and I actually got that feeling of not, you have a life with your, your family, right? Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm super not a uh, professional. Forgot my charger for the MacBook. No I worries, buddy. Guys, I promise I'll do better next time. I no worries, bro. Cause you know why these laptops, they, after six months, the battery goes down, bro. Like I've really, <laughs> I'm a tech guy at heart guys. Trust me. I understand this more than, you know, more yeah, than, I'm you just, know, and, and you know, we've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. My dumb ass has just been so hell bent on how do I make the content better? How do I make the content yeah. better? 
And then I have people come on here and they talk about the marketing and they talk about the tech side and they talk about all these other things that are just as important. Yes. But I, I'm just trying to like beef up the artistry yes. of it. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's hard for an artist to get mm-hmm. into these other lanes to like oh. try to understand these mm-hmm. other things. And you just wish you could just pay everyone yeah. and outsource all this yes. sort of stuff. But I don't but I don't mm-hmm. want to, uh, you know, stampede no. on your point. You said no. I live with my family. I have a, yeah, I have a relationship with my family, with my mm-hmm. dad. Uh, my relationship with my dad is deep. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Usually when I'm able to get him away from the group, it gets pretty mm-hmm. superficial when the mm-hmm. whole family's around. Like we mm-hmm. just yeah, shoot, 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 yeah, talk yeah. about whatever. <laughs> but when I can extract my dad from that and we have our own sit downs, mm-hmm. shit get wild. Yeah. So for me, it's like you, you, you understand you have your full face with your dad. I felt like at some point oh, with yeah. my parents, I was living two different lives. My parents saw me one way. I'm out will in doing the streets. I'm out in the streets doing another. Not wife, I'm not in the streets. But <laughs> go, 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 going by the hype. Going by the hype, and they really called me that though. But it, it was really like it, you live in two different lives, right? And you know what kind of collided was actually on the podcast. I did an episode uh with uh Farm the Couch. Shout out to them. They are very stand-up dispensary in the DMV area. Nice. Please, please follow them on Instagram. Yes. Shout out Farm the Couch. Yes. Uh, she heard the whole weed dispensary episode. I did not know my mother was going to listen to that. <laughs> Yo, why does every artist go through... J. Cole went through this. Why does every artist go through this where they feel like no one's ever going to... Maybe it's because making music, like you're in mm-hmm. a booth, you're by yourself, maybe you just got like your friend that's engineering mm-hmm. your shit at the time. Yeah. Or you're doing something small, you have no idea how big your podcast is going to be or that maybe someone close mm-hmm. to you actually wants to listen to what you yes. have to say behind closed doors when you're yes. not around. They're yes. like, who is this little nigga when he's not around me? And I felt that was that moment. That was, that was it? Like, But here's the thing. I thought those moments ended at like 24. Uh, <laughs> but she actually was, she's the one that bought me the first mic for my podcast. So oh, she, she, so she, you she, had my, to see my, that my, coming. I, I, I thought she listened to at least one or two or three. I didn't think she would go deep in yeah, the freaking yeah. uh in the article so it was to me it was like okay mom's actually listening so she asked me about that and I had to come truthful about that but it was at the same time i knew it would be okay with my mom because she was the only one that can tell us the weed smell in the house uh, <laughs> so you had been caught i be, i've been caught you know what? Uh, not my, only is she just mom meaning yeah. not only is she maternal did she, you come from her but she's also a female Right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a higher level of intuition here. Yes. <laughs> so it's like she you that's what's so funny is we think we be getting away with stuff. And Everything. She's like, she looking at you the whole time, like, like boy. <laughs> back in my day. Yeah, like what are you talking about? So that's probably a lot of why she decided to is they we have an intuition, some of us stronger than others, that mm-hmm. there's something else maybe deeper going on with someone. It's like, okay, you want to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, did you start therapy before the podcast? Yes. Oh yeah. So now it's like, okay, he we know he's a therapy guy mm-hmm. and he's about to do a podcast. We don't think that maybe some of the stuff that he's sharing in therapy, mm-hmm. being vulnerable, mm-hmm. allowing these thoughts to start to percolate yeah. in maybe a different way that it wasn't before, mm-hmm. isn't going to somehow seep into the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm about to click in his podcast. <laughs> I'm about to see what he's talking about. Like he's making yeah. strides in the therapist's mm-hmm. office. I'm clicking in on a podcast. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. My thing was, one thing with therapy was, it was two things I told my wife. Actually, I was, told, I was the one that told my wife we need to get into therapy for, before we get married. 
Oh, oh, so you guys did it together? Yeah, we did a couple. Oh, that's therapy. fire. We did a couple therapy because they, there was different things. We want to break generational curses. Mm-hmm. So the one of the things that we want to do is like, hey, what what is what is our breaking points? So we got there, and the one thing I, I said, our recommendation, I said to her, I was like, I only do therapy. We do it with a black therapist. I don't care if she's a female. I don't care if it's a male, or female. Mm-hmm. It has to be a black therapist because mm-hmm. I rarely see that. I want to be because I want someone that can understand me through the same community. And we actually have one as a black male, which is very freaking rare. Um, one of my boys was just telling me he's just going through therapy school. He was like, I have 50 people in my class, two African-American, and there's only eight males, including myself. It was like, there's low numbers in male therapists. So mm-hmm. I can completely understand that. Mm-hmm. So when we went through that and through that process and understanding each other a little bit more, a lot of stuff came better. Not understanding what I was going through in my life, understanding what she was going through in her life, how her upbringing was, because she's from East Africa. Um, she's from Cameroon. Yeah, hold up. East Africa. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's from Cameroon. There's different upbringings. I came up in an American household. She came up in a very immigrant household. She is different. So we had to kind of understand each other like that. And then even after we got married, we still go to therapy, I think, once or twice a month. And okay. just, to, just to check in. But as most of the time, it's just like we're checking in ourselves. We're doing the same process. Um, and we have certain stuff and stresses. Like, we understand them. Like, we understood that. The main thing we understood was when we brought our work stresses home. And a lot of people don't understand that. Mm. And for us, it was like, for me, I was in a place that didn't like, appreciate me and my value in, uh, in a certain place. And for her, she's a nurse. And she had to work through the pandemic. So that, she probably felt she, the same. Yes. Yes. And not only that, she's a minority in there. I'm a minority in there as well. And it was a little bit harder. Um, but at the same time, when we understood that more, we're like, all right, we got to make a change. Within that last two or three years, we made, she has made three job jumps and all increases because she found something that she wants to do, which is dermatology now. And I. Is it therma? Uh, is it dermatology? Der, dermatology? Oh, dermatology. Der, I was like, dermatologist. Mm, okay. She's a nurse for a dermatologist over in Maryland. For me, it was jumping from one IT company to another, which has been amazing. Um, I feel not only just representation, but representation for women in tech. Uh, representation in different ethnicities. It's been the whole great nine yards from that outside of what I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, doing so when, when when it comes to couples therapy, mm-hmm. what I don't I don't want to ask if it's been Ain't, a, anything yeah, goes. Well, I'm, no, I'm just saying I don't, I don't necessarily want to form this as though it was just like a tip or a tool given to mm-hmm. you. But kind of when you're at the house and you're not going there as often as you mm-hmm. were going at one point in time. So how often were you were going? So you're going two times a month now. We, we really actually stick to the same schedule. Um, it's really been like it was like once a month and once every other month. Oh, OK. Um, OK. OK. I think sometimes we do once or twice, depending on if we can get fitted in because mm-hmm. a lot of people need therapy in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time it's been kind of on the same schedule. So now that you kind can you can detect Mm-hmm. The things that are going wrong, the red flags. Mm-hmm. What is the number one tool or method that you do to try to de-escalate and figure and unpack? For me, it's trying to get her to say, well, not for for me, it's not even like projecting to her, it's just making sure that the house is good for her. The one thing I've realized about my wife is she when she wants to come home, she wants to be relaxed at home. So I try to make sure whatever that is, or if anything needs to be tied up before she gets there, that's for me. A pride thing because it's like, all right, she comes home, she can de stress. Because she used to grow grew up with like a very not a loving family, but it was like you gotta get stuff done certain times or anything. While we come up in an American household, we're a little bit more lax. 
and certain things like that. So, but just stepping up in that plate like that, understanding that, um, and also understanding that like sometimes, like, look, wives are going to cook. That's great. Every once in a while, I got to be out there and be like, you know what? I can shut down for the night. Let me cook for my wife real quick. Um, you know, I like, think that's you. Uh, <laughs> Siri, I did. You talking? You talking to Siri? Siri, Siri just be popping up in Siri, conversations no. sometimes. Uh, Google Home's been creeping me the fuck out, bro. I got like three of them. Every once in a while, they be chirping into our conversation. It's mm-hmm. it's bad. My FBI agent's been listening to a lot of shit. <laughs> but no, like it's just realizing like certain things. Like you gotta make be proactive. Once you get married, you cannot or you get engaged, you cannot stop courting your wife, and that's the one thing. According to your husband too, ladies. That's one of the things we stopped doing. You gotta like make it a little bit spicy. You gotta understand not too spicy, fellas. But you gotta make it like <laughs> you gotta make it like uh, just just make it like how you know me would. It's nothing about. It's just a title, but you still gotta be that person. Not regardless. too spicy. What goes to no, your mind t- when you say do that? <laughs> hey, so I found this chick outside. Like, is it cool? If, can we try this? No, it's it's going down the dark web and seeing something that you're like, no, what? This might be nice. Try it at home, and then no, it and doesn't work. It, it doesn't go. It, it out don't work well. Well, yeah. you gotta have those sorts of conversations. You have to know who you're dating, though. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, just trying to just jump into something that you guys have never had any sort of conversation You got to have about. a conversation. So, this is... Okay, so this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've, I've sort of found. And I think that this is something revelatory for people in relationships. Mm-hmm. We always use these extremely beautifully said and just as old as dust sayings, trust. Mm-hmm. Trust, trust, trust. It's mm-hmm. the key to everything. Yes. It's the infrastructure. Without it, you have nothing. Facts. I don't know if people always know exactly what that looks like or how it manifests itself. So I think that there are times when you can not trust your partner to do a certain thing. And it may be a smart thing for that to be the case because there is no history involved that would be indicative of that person needing to be trusted to do said thing. Mm -hmm. If I'm a terrible planner, like I can't plan for shit, my coordination skills are terrible, I'm going to have us at the wrong place at the wrong time, I didn't get to rent a car, like whatever the case is, then I shouldn't be trusted to make the plans for our vacation or whatever it is. So I can't come at the significant other and say, why don't you trust me? Like, why don't you trust me to do this thing? Like, so you don't trust me? It's like, no, 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 no. There are some things that I can trust about your character, mm-hmm. but I don't trust you to do this thing. There's yeah. been, there's just been nothing in his, just historically, mm-hmm. there's been nothing that you've ever done that would tell me that I should trust you to do this thing in particular, mm-hmm. this thing in particular. But I think when people are talking about trust, it's at a very, very deep character level. Mm-hmm. And it sounds something like, What you're really trusting from someone is that when you're having a conversation with them, especially a difficult one, Mm -hmm. you can trust that they're not trying to pull any funny shit on you. Yeah. That they're not trying to manipulate you, that they're not trying to do something deceitful, backdoor, mischievous, and try to get their own way, Mm -hmm. right? That they're not trying to gaslight you and Mm -hmm. turn you insane. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not trying to do any of these mind games. That you can trust that they have good intention, Mm -hmm. that we're both here to actually come to an understanding about something. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that because of some of your own shit going on, you can misinterpret something that they're doing as, what are they trying to do right now? Are they trying to, yeah, like, 
are they trying to start an argument right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, are they trying to, are they referencing to something that happened before? Like, they mm-hmm. said that they were over that thing. Are we actually done with that? Mm-hmm. You start, you start having these misguided thoughts about their intentions. Mm-hmm. And so if you are to truly trust someone, truly in their character, mm-hmm. then really I think what you're trying to say is you want to default to truth. Yes. You want to say, okay, like in my mind, I'm fucked up right now because I think she's trying to start an argument with me. Or I think that she's trying to do something that is indicative of something nefarious. Something that is that is corrosive to this moment. She's not mm-hmm. actually trying to build a bridge and understand each other right now. And if if that's the case, then I'm I'm not saying that I trust her intentions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well then if I'm saying that, then I'm not being true to what my oath is here, which is I need to default to truth. I need to default to belief. I need to sit back and say, okay, if I am to believe that I trust their genuine intention here in this mm-hmm. moment then it now changes and shifts my entire thought process. And it shifts my entire way of questioning and inquiring about what it is they're saying. So now it's not like, man, why you keep bringing this shit up? Like, you always do this. Now, instead of something like that, it's, okay, you said something that seems like some mm-hmm. trope, some running trope that mm-hmm. we have going on in a relationship. Mm-hmm. This is the way I'm seeing it. But I know that you wouldn't do that because I trust your intention. Yep. So tell me where I'm getting this wrong. Like, tell me where I am losing out on what it is you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, there's clearly some misunderstanding here. Yep. So I find that to be the biggest thing that people can try to work on when it comes to being a couple is defaulting to truth if you are to truly state that you believe in this person and their character and their beautiful qualities that you deem to love. Yeah. Two things on your statement. Yes. One, the first thing is when I learned in therapy was that with there's one word you do not really want to say and comes to your fight is saying always. Always is always a freaking trigger word. Regardless yes. of whatever you saying, yeah. you say someone say, man, you always do this, you're going to hear something afterwards. The second thing I would say, I totally agree with you on your, about your attentions and everything. I'm going to bring up a funny story about this, right? Mm-hmm. So I recently had to take my wife over to uh, Buffalo, not Buffalo, upstate New York, because we had to go to West Point. We had to go to West Point for a graduation, right? Traveling for four or five hours. Like you said, you, there's certain aspects you trust in, you, in your partner to do. I trust my wife with the trip. I don't trust her with the departure time. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to tell me we're leaving at 9 a.m., 9 a.m., when I already know John Hopkins is going to be graduating that weekend, which is in Baltimore, which is up the way. And all uh, these other schools are going to be graduating. Nah, we got to get out by six, seven. Ooh. That's one thing. Another thing is about trusting your intentions. So we get to West Point. I'm thinking we're going to get something to eat. She told me on the way up there, hey, we're going to get something to eat. I am not trusting the fact that we're going to get something to eat as soon as we get in the area. However, we had to make an audible because her brother needs some help moving some luggage around. I have no problem with that. Shout out to Dean, by the way, second <laughs> lieutenant. I have no problem with that, but you told me you tr- I trusted you. <laughs> I, tr- I trusted you. I love how dramatic it is. I trusted you. I trusted you to make sure my belly will be full. Right. And now said trust is out the damn window. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I, I have my little tiff, and she let it be what it was. And it was actually the one of the first times she let it be because I had my little tiff. 
She, we got done with her brother. We went to Five Guys outdoors. I sat down, ate. She's like, "Now you feel better?" I'm like, "Yes, I am sorry." <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, trust is a big thing. That's what it oh can be big. Gosh. It can be small. <laughs> For me, I try to trust her. Yes. With my stomach. Yeah. And that didn't plan yeah. out for me. But you got set your default mode into. Let me just get through this real quick. Yes. She says she's going to feed me. I'm going to get fed. <laughs> she said she's going to feed me. <laughs> I'm going to get fed. I love, I, you know, let me tell you what I love about this story. Is <laughs> because you're talking about your wife. You can clearly tell that there's like clearly a ton of love and yes. effort that both of you put into this relationship. Yes. So as soon as you start talking about it being a trip and food being involved, you realize that this is going to be utter bullshit. Yes. That like... When it comes to this, it's not really going to matter. And when you, when you, what I always say is build a brick house because I always. Oh man, that's my fish. favorite saying. Yeah, favorite saying. So like when you build that with someone, you realize, listen, this was some bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was tripping. Yeah, and I love to be able to have these little moments where you see that and you realize this ain't when because when you go through rigorous mm-hmm. shit, like really rigorous stuff. Everything else seems like pennies. Oh, it's it's, it's cakewalk, man. Nothing. Cakewalk. Like, we went through so much. Like, I've been with my... So, the downside of my relationship... But not even downside. That's so wrong. That's saying. <laughs> I've been with my Edit wife... point. <laughs> Please edit this. <laughs> no. I've been with my wife for about 10 years. Yeah. I just been... We're about to be married for two years in October. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about my wife is that we have grown together to the point where we know each other's tips. We, are, we know each other where... You say you're gonna do something. We own up to that 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 thing. So for me, it's not. She knows when we both get hangry. Look, man, you gotta feed me within a certain amount of minutes. <laughs> Damn. Or it's gonna be some problems in this <laughs> a certain amount of minutes. <laughs> it's gonna be some move furniture around this month. <laughs> nah, but it, it don't get like that. But it's just one of those things where you you learn that yeah, it's, man, it's pennies. That's that's pennies. It's that, pennies. Because at the end of the day, like, look, we get this done. Ten minutes, we can get some McDonald's. Ain't no problem. Yeah. Ain't, ain't no I would expect jujitsu for you. Well, you jujitsu, yeah, yeah. correct? Yes. I would expect jujitsu to have been one of those things for you because it's not it's not easy. No. Right. And you're a purple belt now. Yes. And there is starts at white, blue, yes. purple, brown, black. Yes. Okay. That's not easy. Yes. How long have you been doing that? How long did it take you to get the purple? So it took me because of COVID and really um, COVID kind of. Push back everybody's. Um, yeah. Well, I, w- I wouldn't even say progression. It would be more of like proper uh, belt placement. Yes. Um, but that's not a shot. Look, I got my belt. I'm happy with it. I got it when I got it. I ain't tripping. Yeah. But I've been doing it. And about, people about, were dealing with a whole lot worse things we're, than, we're not, than with, not getting a purple belt. You know, <laughs> you know some, some people are trying to figure out how they're going to get their lungs. It's okay. Right. It's, it's all right. Right. So I've been doing jujitsu about seven years. The main reason oh, why yeah. I, I've been, main reason why I wanted to get into jujitsu, the stuff I'm doing now, it was like a fantasy back at White Belt. The main reason why I would be in jiu-jitsu was because I really didn't like guns at one point. And I wanted to learn how to... <laughs> at one point. At one point. Now. Now. <laughs> With the shit going on, you, you saw the riots were like down the street from us, bro. And at that moment, I said, I was like, you know what? I'm going to need some guns. Uh, but nah, uh, I'm also trained on that as well. But nah, uh, main reason I got in jiu-jitsu because I kept on... I would serve tables, uh, worked at Buffalo Wild Wings, worked at BJ's. You eat where you live, and I gained pounds. I was up to, like, maybe 240, 250. Um, made promise to myself as soon as I got the industry, I'm going to lose the weight. Uh, got out, got a banking job, 
And then the nurse came in and the nurse said I had high cholesterol. I was like 24, 25 around the time. No, hold on. Nope. Nope. I was about 22, 23. My bad. Mm. 22, 23. Um, and I'm like, my parents already got health issues. Right. I'm coming in with health issues. And I get headaches. So I ha- have migraines left and right because I think I was having a lot of sugar. Uh, and that's how you started catching me at the gym. I started Once I started doing jujitsu, I told the nurse, I'm sorry about the jujitsu. She was like, you're going to lose 20 pounds, no problem. And sure enough, like four weeks, I lost 20 pounds. Four weeks. And then I started to get my diet right. So I started dieting correctly. Um, got down to about 195. Um, and I was complete. I was cool. I got down 195 as a white belt. And then I injured my shoulder at a tournament, had a setback from that. And then I haven't been down to 195 in like four years. I'm about 212 now. Okay. Um, but I fluttered between 200 and 220. And that's depending. like a proper resting that's like, that, weight. That's resting weight. Like 212 right now to me is like, all right, I'm good. Mm-hmm. If I really want to get in the lower bracket, I can in the proper training, proper, eat, proper eating. Um, but re- recently, I've been uh, thinking about doing the 220 bracket, uh, which is one of the fights I was actually in uh, last weekend uh, at RRJCC1. I was at a super fight. So a super fight card, I know that. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask the 220 bracket that goes up to what? So the 220, so certain brackets and certain divisions and certain tournaments. I know this is complicated because it's so certain. But certain tournaments go have certain weight brackets. So for me... I, a normal tournament for me for medium heavies between 195 and I think 205. Okay. Um, and then 205 to 215 is I think they're heavy and then the super heavy is 220 plus. You get you 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 get the big boys. You get the farm bred people out there. That that's 220 some, plus. Some, some some of them. So I think like I for example grappling industries. I think their their super heavy starts at 240. Um, and I think the heavy starts between like 210 to 240 or something like that. I'm all messed up. I haven't grappled over there in a couple years, actually. But the turn, the, the recent uh, super fights I've been at, which is Copa Elite and uh, RJCC One, uh, there's certain they match you up to a certain weight. You get certain allowances. So I'm our Copa Elite. I had to be 208 in the gi. I was about, I think 202, 203, even on the scale. I didn't have to put the gi on. And for when I got around for RJCC One. Uh, it was a last minute one because I was actually waiting for an opponent at 208. No one was showing up for 208. Um, I was like, no way, I might not be able to do it. Well, one, I was like, it was a week out. I've already been training hard. I was like, man, I'm not going to try cut. They're not giving me an opponent. And then, like, on Monday, Tuesday, they said they had a guy at 220. They offered it between me and one of my boys, Brian. Uh, Brian said he couldn't do it. I was like, all right, I'll take it. Mm. I had no problem taking it. Kind of, hey, look, man, it, it, when there's smoke, run it up the chimney. Okay. When, when, <laughs> okay. So when when so for me it was comfortable. It was the first time I did two twenty in six years. I haven't done two twenty bracket since I was first started as a white belt, and I got smashed. I was gonna. And I got smashed. I was gonna ask, how did that smoke go? Hey, that's that smoke. That chimney was out cold, bro. But nah, uh, not even like that. I don't even brag about my jujitsu like that to be honest, um, because it's all about my teammates for me. Uh, it's all about the people I bring, I have around me. Um, regardless, I go because I want them to be great, and I, I'm just lucky enough to be on the ride. That's kind of the culture, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's individualism and group at the same time. Like yeah. you train with your boy, you train with your group. Um, for me, it's big uh, Leo Dollar on the Leo Dollar the Big Brother affiliation. So there's several. There's one up the street from here, uh, Dominion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually like right off of 28. 
So not twenty eight. Uh, whatever. Rollins. Uh, no, Balls Ford. Um. So no, that's not Balls Ford. What the hell am I at right now? That is, is it Wellington. Bull- is it well, no, Wellington. <laughs> Wellington Road. That's off Wellington Road. So for me, it's always a, I, when I first got in there. I remember this. I remember this clear as day. I remember I came in there with a big head after I did like some light stuff on Sunday. Came in on Monday, and I was like, Ah oh, man, I'm big, bad, whatever. I can do whatever. Oh yeah. And then my boy Cass, he's about a buck forty. He was a blue belt at the time. He's about four inches shorter than me. Short, short guy. And I was like, go against him. And Cass whooped my ass. Whooped my ass. And I say he whooped my ass. And then from then on, I was like, all right, this is how I gotta get better. I gotta learn how to use my weight, learn how to do the things. And to be honest, I'm most of the time. When I do competitions, it's because I sometimes I feel like doing it. At the most of the time, I don't feel like being there because you gotta sit around and wait. But the same time, it's like when I see, oh, I'm in the gym with some of these competitors. I'm like, I, I want to do better than these guys. I want to be better than this. And we got some killers at the gym and all around affiliates. So it's like I get in those training camps where people are training for big comps like Worlds and stuff like that. And you get some, you get some high quality roles. And so was it the competitive nature in you that took you from a white belt, the place where you thought that being at a purple belt was a dream? Yeah. Is that what is that what drove you? It, I mean, it was it was you wanting to get in shape. Mm-hmm. Right at first, but mm-hmm. then I guess maybe you kind of fell in love with the technicalities yes. of it. Mm-hmm. And then also you had people rooting you on there because mm-hmm. you had that sense of community. So it was just an amalgam of things it, that came together. It's, it's an amalgam of things. It gave me a lot of structure. It, only thing, one thing I would owe jujitsu is jujitsu gave me a second how to do life over again. The reason mm-hmm. why I say that because when I went into the gym, I did not know shit about my per- like personally, uh, how to handle stuff, uh, understand st- like. I met so many good friends outside of the mats of like learn, learning stock, learning marketing, like you said, learning all that stuff that got me back into the school, got me back into uh, being in, being into IT and doing the places I'm doing now. So I went, went just to made me have a second life outside of it. So I always feel in debt to that to a certain extent. Uh, the other thing was, yes, pure competition. I'm, I've been one of those guys. I'm a competitor at heart. Um, I, I can't shy away from that one. That one, I definitely cannot shy away. But the third one is really like, I really just wanted to be in the room. I really just, if I'm here long enough, I'll be here. And then eventually graduate from, I'm in the room. Oh, no, nah, I want, I want, I want some smoke. I want, I want, I want to be competitive. Okay. Then went from, right, I got my purple. What do I need to do here? It's like, oh, no, I got to refine my tools. I still need to be on top of my game, but also be willing and able to teach the younger generation behind me about how to do st- proper moves. That's the other aspect that I'm actually really enjoying right now. Um, and it's kind of funny because when everything happened with my pops, uh, I actually got promoted a week before my dad passed, right? Okay. So I remember, mm. yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Uh, I remember two days after he passed, I I, I remember I didn't go to jiu-jitsu that night. I didn't go to jiu-jitsu the next night. Went to jiu-jitsu the, next, the day after that. And I just rolled. I was, and at that moment, I realized I was like, "This is where I want. This is where I want to be." And then it, it came from. I, I did that. I remember I got off the mat. I was like, "I'm not going to do any competitions. I'm not going to do uh, anything competitive for a year." I just, I want, I want to give it a break. I actually wanted to do worlds, which was actually early June. That's what I wanted to do because I want. That was the one competition I wanted my dad to come out with me. We're going, we're going to do worlds together. That was the one. So I was like, I'm planning to come back in June. And then both times, uh, Copa Elite and RJCC1, uh, 
fights fell through. I got hit up and I was like, yeah, I take the smoke and I've been great. And it's just, I've been lucky enough to be blessed enough to have great training partners along the way and just being my focus and having that game plan. Uh, but it, I'm sorry, I'm spiraling, but no, nah, it's just like, so I fell into jujitsu just happened. It, it really was like my, it really, it really happened like this. My wife introduced me to jujitsu. She had a friend, my shout out to Bill Acton, his wife talked to him. He sent me up there to Dallas. And I just never left. Mm-hmm. I just, and that's why I take it as I'm not there to be the baddest guy there. I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near the skill. I'm nowhere near the strongest. Um, but I'm there to learn. I'm there to help others. Yeah, no, the reason I I, I don't care about you spinning your yeah. wheels here because everything that has come out on this podcast so far mm-hmm. has really had to deal with therapy. Yes. Every single, like therapy has touched every single thing that we've talked about. Yes. And when I'm asking you, well, one, we're talking about doing things that are incredibly difficult and mm-hmm. rigorous on the body and mm-hmm. on the mental, spiritual, all mm-hmm. these different things. And then when you start stepping into other things that may be difficult to other people or maybe would have been difficult for you mm-hmm. three months ago or a year ago, now mm-hmm. you're looking at it like you said, a cakewalk. Yeah. And so you have you actually going to therapy mm-hmm. and dealing with these moments where you don't know if you're going to get fed or not. Mm-hmm. Then you're going into jujitsu mm-hmm. and you're expelling energy. You're having the humbling experience of getting your ass whooped, which is yes. great, which is great. <laughs> you're learning a ton of things by being in mm-hmm. the room and having the conversations. And then also, you do stand up comedy. Yes, <laughs> dude. And my my wife doesn't know what to do with me. <laughs> yeah, like this, 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 these all, but these all seem like just ways of getting what's inside out. To mm-hmm. some degree, like yes. like whether it's you're just expelling physical energy mm-hmm. and you need to do that because you made a joke before. We're going to get some furniture moving in this house. Well, you don't <laughs> have to move the furniture in the house because you rolling with people yeah. on the mat. Yeah. So just getting that out in mm-hmm. some way or another, some avenue mm-hmm. is helping you in these other avenues. Now you're getting up on stage in front of people. Yes. Which, by the way, is most people's like biggest fear in life. Yes. And you're doing that. Now, do you have that fear at all? Does it come up at all? And you just mm. and you just battle it? Mm. It's really like, well, let me say this, how I got into comedy. I got into comedy because I started doing podcasting. The reason why oh. the reason why I want to do the podcast and then go to these comments and then be doing comedy is because I get to do two things. I learn how to talk to my 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 people of my viewership on my podcast. And I also learn how to talk to people randomly in crowds and everything in comedy as well and on top of that like i said with my podcast i like to do everything about the dmv the most the d the dc maryland virginia comic scene i'm gonna tell this y'all right now i'm gonna look in the camera too <laughs> it is the top three best comic scenes you will ever experience in your life oh, wow. it's top that's, three that's, new york is one heavy statement new york is one the dmv is is definitely number two because New York's the hub. New York's the hub of the, the basement dwellers, all that shit. Okay. Number three, I will honestly say is either between uh, Los Angeles, because you got you got some comics out that way, or Texas. I think that's a tie. Yeah, I'm hearing um, about this. Texas, Texas is like that, because Texas, Texas and D.C. and all these areas, the one, and another thing I love about comedy, and then we're going to answer your question, it's the one place you can say whatever the fuck you want to say. And a lot of people are with it. We hear a lot of jokes. You hear a lot of jokes about different things, but no one is highlighting it like how the news is. 
and you had people from different sides of the of the tracks. You had different people from different uh, communities, and everyone has something to say to the table, and it's a beautiful freaking thing. And the, the best nights in my comic career has been able to like. You ever been in a comic show? First off, yes, I've been to one. No, one. two. No, three. Three. What do you? If you remember, recall from any comic shows. Did you remember you had a laugh that lasted the entire night? A laugh that like, it lasted. Like, like I'm, what I mean by that is every comic hit you with something, and you were just like, "This lineup is fucking fire." Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, one, yeah, one. and it was the dude that played Uncle Elroy on Next Friday. Mm-hmm. We went to go. I forget his name, but me and my family went to go see mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. That lineup was fucking hilarious there's been i've been part maybe three or four uh one of the recent ones was the shooters bar one i went to uh this past week um and we had a malfunction with the mic but every comic took it like a spoken word we were fucking riffing every fucking thing in sight but those nights those moments are magical when you don't when people cannot gas for air because they're laughing so hard those are the nights I live for. That's that's my main thing about introduction to comedy. Now back to your question. Yes, I was scared as fuck because one of the things about uh, one lesson I learned, I took from jujitsu, I made into comedy. Be uncomfortable with the with uh, be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay. With comedy, um, I had to be comfortable with my own voice. Same thing with podcasting. I had to understand my own voice. Understand what makes my voice, what people love about my voice, what people don't like about my voice. How can I land that number two thing about comedy is how can i set up my punchlines am i more of a storyteller or am I more of a uh, i just do punchline 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 and people are different comics so i had to understand that too so i had to be uncomfortable with the uh be comfortable with uncomfortable i had to figure out how to the, to attack this and one of the things that it, it really it just brought it out so much more being these comic shows um, doing these open mics. I used to be uh, last. I started comedy. It was actually with comedy. I st- I was supposed to start turning of uh, what's it called? I did an open mic in January 2020. COVID happened in March. Yes. And I was gonna be like all the shows in DC. COVID happened. Everything got shut down. Comics were doing uh, comedy on Zoom. Yeah. That. That's that's tough. That's tough. I just saw I was a part of do like one of those old ones from back in the day. Or not back in the day, but the 2020 when it, yeah. it was just him in the studio. Yeah. Like there was no one else, and you have to tell jokes, but there's no applause, there's no laughter, but you still have to go through the jokes, but you're not hearing any feedback. Yeah. It's kind of like Ugh. it's it's dude. It's even worse when you're on stage and you try to make a punchline and no one hit. You don't hit the punchline. <laughs> Boy, I've. You you have to laugh it off and keep it moving. You gotta figure out how to get the air back in the room, cause boy, dog, that shit hurt. You think you you want to know the one thing about jujitsu? You know when you stink. People will tell you when you stink. Uh, comedy, like we waiting, we waiting. Jujitsu, people will tell you you they you don't. Everybody gonna tell you good job and not nah. You gonna know. You gonna feel it immediately. But, yeah, that's rough, man. Because I, I would assume, because when I'm in the crowd at a comedy yeah. show, I'm on the comic side. Yes. Like, I would think that we're on, like, we all came here to have a good time. Yes. Like, we want you to be funny. We want yes. you to be whatever it is that you think you are. We want you to be the apex of your game. Yeah. If you're a punchline guy, if yeah. you're a storyteller, if you're kind of just one of these super animated, loud guys, and that's sort of your comedy. Yeah. If you're like a Jim Carrey type, and you just do like the wild facial expressions, and mm-hmm. you move around weirdly. 
it maybe you're just like really dry. You're like a witty, dry type of guy, and you're just gonna stand in one spot. But there's something about that that's yeah. fucking amazing and and hilarious on itself. Even before you start talking, mm-hmm. you're just funny because you're just standing there dryly, like yeah. you could give a shit less to be here. Yeah, there's something funny in that. But it it's it's gotta be the most cringe thing when you're just not good because we want it for you so bad, and we're. We're empaths. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we're social mm-hmm. beings. I take that on. Mm-hmm. When I see you up there not be good, I take that on. Now mm-hmm. I got Now I'm upset at you for making me feel the way that I'm feeling mm-hmm. because you suck. Yeah. Right? So it's like, it's that's tough, man. It's, it's hard. But, but it's, exhilarating, I'm certain. Oh, my God. Even when I bomb, even I've had bomb, I still bomb. I, I've had good nights. I had bad nights. But when I bomb or when I have a good, I feel I learn more when I bomb now more than when I succeed. The reason why I say I, that, I believe you, because when you have those good nights and you're gonna have a good couple nights, it's gonna be great. I I I tell you this. So this past week, I've been outside every fucking day. Nice. <laughs> so Sunday, I had a open mic at uh, Wasted Lounge. Uh, shout out to Yadi. Uh, she was over. She gave me a shot over there. I felt like I didn't do too well. I knew that. I immediately knew as soon as I got off stage, I'm like, damn, I could have been better. I could have been tighter. Tuesday happened with over at my boy Shooters. Did an amazing job. Felt amazing. Had a great time. Great time. Wednesday at uh, Adam's Bomb. Great time. Good time. Felt like I, my jokes took a little bit longer than what it needed to be. And I, I felt mm. like I should have been better. Should have been tuned up. That's cool. That's fine. So when I find, like, you have good nights and you have bad nights. That's fine. But each of those nights, I, you learn what you can do better. And that's the main thing from it. Uh, but the DC comedy scene, the the out here, it is different. You get, you'll be, you, for jujitsu and for comedy out here, you will never understand that the Harry Potter in the corner might be able to do a triangle on you, or he might be the funniest motherfucker in the room. Mm. And that's what I love about the DMV. Because either the DMV comic or jujitsu, it's different out here. It is definitely different. I've had amazing like it's comedy out here is so different. So when you're so this is this is a little bit of a, a, a nerdy process question. Mm-hmm. But more so you have your writings yes. that you do, right? Yes. And you have whatever process you have for that. And then I also saw you do this thing and you just use the word here like a riff bucket. Yes. Right? So <laughs> I mean, I could I could probably imagine which one is a bit more difficult, but maybe not because people do work differently. I work mm-hmm. different. I know that I'm never a person. I've talked about that on that on here before where, that wanted to write their papers out. Mm-hmm. I hated that. I wanted to know the information really well and turn it over in my head and look at it from every angle I possibly could. Then I'm just going to go up there and speak about it because mm-hmm. I know the information. So I'll be able to speak on it. I never wanted it to get stale and mm-hmm. write it out. I, I, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So one, which one do you like more, or is it even a matter of liking one more? Is it just different? Like, oh, this is my favorite child. I just love you guys differently. <laughs> I no look. My way of doing comedy is different. There's guys I write everything out. I'm more of give me a topic. Um, I can kind of figure it out in a week or so. I try to spit it into what I have. Right now, I'm kind of feeling that aspect, so I'm probably going to be writing a little bit more, but I like that aspect. It actually made me better for Riff Bucket, in my opinion, because 
riff bucket, you can get a topic of like, ah, right, you guys think of the most funniest thing in five seconds. And a riff bucket, are those riffs, those little scenarios, is that from the crowd or is you or can they add for Adam's Bomb, they do from crowd and from comics. Okay. Um my first one was Hallmark Holiday movies. And I said, uh, is this R- I was like, no, not R. Kelly, Whitney Houston. And then I immediately when I got back to the chair, I think the comics that someone was like, you immediately thought about Whitney Houston and R. Kelly for Hallmark movies. I was like, yeah, I'm on a spectrum. And I yelled back from the crowd. I was like, yeah, I'm on a spectrum from uh, either you're a pedophile or crack cocaine addict. And I tried that joke the next weekend, completely washed on the other crowd. I was like, like, I thought I had a banger, yo. I thought I had it. I heard that. I was yo. like, Man, dude, I thought I had a banger. It did, it did not hit. It was with a black crowd. It was with a black crowd, too. But well, they must have what, felt what, bad what, for the Whitney Houston thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> they must have felt bad for the Whitney Houston. Yeah, Houston. Both, both touchy subjects. But I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Uh, it would matter also mm-hmm. the crowd that you're dealing with. Oh, yes. So you got to kind of feel the crowd out. Now, my usual co-host, he's a DJ. And mm-hmm. that's something we talk about all the time, too, is. He will make set lists, mm-hmm. but also he's got to get up there and he's got them headphones on and he's hearing the music and he's watching the crowd as he's playing music. And he's thought, OK, nah, like I had this on the set list, but nah, that ain't going to cut it no more. Yeah, like, nah, I got to make an audible. I got to do something else. I got to play this after that. That's what's going to get him hot. Or dang, this was on a set list. They not even they not even fucking with this. So I can't just move to the next joint. That yeah. I thought, OK, now I got to make a real shift in this. So I'm assuming that you maybe you got to do the same thing. I don't know how much through your written work is mm-hmm. is uh, allotted for looseness mm-hmm. and for you to just kind of riff in the middle of writing because you're thinking, okay, you know what? This ain't quite mm-hmm. going the way I thought it was. Back at the house, I had the wife laughing like, this ain't quite it. it she laughs at everything, so it ain't going to work. Oh, <laughs> see, that's another thing. So do you have people like that you can go to or you just try out all I your try, stuff? Try and error, man. I, and it's, hard, it's harder that way. No, I like no, not even hard. I like it that way better because I don't want my friends to laugh just to laugh. I don't want that. Um, um what I want because my friends are always gonna laugh at what my stuff is. What I want is if I can go to a room and make you make you believe I'm the funniest person in the room. That's the feeling I want. Now, for your question of, hold up, what was your question? Well, again? I was asking you which one that you liked more. I didn't know if it was a more thing or if you just liked them differently or for different nights. Uh, so yeah, there's certain jokes I I do on repeat. I remember uh, Shooter's Bar. There's one chick who was at the last set. She was like, "I love that joke you did with your wife in Hawaii." I was like, "All right, I do it again tonight for you." Just because she asked me, so I did that one. Um, and I actually made it a little bit better and actually freestyle a little bit better and make that work. Um, but yes, there are jokes that I have like in my pocket from experiences that I want to use. And I look out in the crowd. I'm like, "This is not gonna fly tonight," and we go from there. <laughs> Um, like I rarely do. So I don't even say rarely do. I want to say I touch. I don't do. There's certain bars I don't touch. I, okay. I, there's there's certain bar, uh, bars I don't touch. Um, every comment has the limits. Um, I just steer away probably from one or two. Okay. Um, that's just my personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time with my jokes, I hit everything depending on the crowd. If the crowd's a little bit more, uh. If it's a little bit more suburban than what I thought it would probably be, I'm probably like I'm gonna save the nine one one jokes for later. Suburban. Um, I I don't want like my thing is I've been on on sets in Maryland or in in the area where it's a mix of, of comics and there's a mixed crowd. You can get you can get yays from one side and choir from another. That's gonna happen. That's fine. Um, 
but when it's predominantly something, some stuff might not fly in that. And that's cool. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, I my thing is I might want now the challenge is what jokes can I hit that's gonna resonate with them that I can make them laugh and I can still get my point across. That's 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 the another that's level. That's the art. That's that, the art. Because most of my stuff when it's more suburban is it's like when I went to the West Point graduation, bro, like I'm honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you right now. White people, y'all gotta figure out what y'all wearing for graduation, cause it was not cutting it. Like what well, wearing is the guest? Like, no, like what what you wearing to like I saw black people wearing like Sunday service, cool uh freaking uh sundresses out season, everything was perfect. Why like white women, I know y'all talking to y'all mothers. Y'all gotta get y'all moms up to date with some stuff out here. What, it was, what they it was horrible, bro. What they I never What's your seen observations. My observation was every dad was on hoochie dad mode because they had the high shorts with the freaking the um, what's it called? Some boat shoes. The, not the boat shoes. What's the 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 sandals with the little strap over with the socks in them? Um. Come Those on. always made me bro, laugh. Where's where's socks with the sandals always made me laugh? And then I never seen so many. Like I understand women, y'all gonna have y'all heels. Y'all should wear your heels, and then you gonna switch out to your flops later. Every female I saw had flip flops, and I'm like, this is a graduate. This is West Point. Like we came in, I saw none but black people wearing Sunday service shit. I swear mm. to God. Well, I mean, that would that kind of makes sense. It really does. I grew up in a in a Baptist church, mm-hmm. and if you have in a black Baptist church, yeah. there was a certain way you were going to dress. Like yes. there was a certain way grandma was getting you ready to go to church. Yes, but then if you ever transitioned or some of your white friends invited you to their church, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you gonna come up prepare? You gonna come like this to the Lord? You gonna come? You flip flops and it's like whatever you want to wear. So, I, I had the most culture shock in my life that church. Off of freaking twenty eight or twenty nine, and I've, I think it's Life Church. Is a Life Church? Okay, I yeah. think that there's a Life Church. Yeah, because the one that was next to the golf course, and the golf course got shut down, or whatever thing, all that sort. But I remember I went there because the girl I was dating at the time, her family went there, and I went inside because I was wearing. Because I remember my parents were asking me, she was like, "So what are you wearing for church?" She was like, "I can wear jeans and a regular shirt, be fine." They're like, "What church are you going to?" I'm like, I don't know. They said they want to go with Sunday service. I'm like, I'll go with Sunday service. And I saw everybody in there wearing that stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is... This, I, I Look, I go to Baptist church. I, I've actually gone to several different churches. I like religion. I'm, I'm a big religion. <laughs> that, that, that does not... I, I, like, I like religion. I like religion. <laughs> I like that religion. That sounds like a goddamn lie. <laughs> I like religion. No, I've been, I've been to them like... My, I, they turn tire for every religion. Yeah. Um, I've seen, uh, I've been to like a, a Jewish temple. I've been to different uh, Catholic churches. Um, I've never seen a Catholic church dressed like that. Um, I've been Baptist. I've seen Methodist. I've seen, I've gone to a mosque uh, and prayed several times with some of my friends over there in certain attires. Like, and when I saw this church, I'm like, this, this ain't right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like I'm sorry, but it's just they, like, they chilling, they man. Chill. Cause, Cause they like, oh, we got our own relationship with God. Mm-hmm. God gonna love us regardless of what we wear mm-hmm. in here. And yeah, that's, and that's the thought Look, on. That's it. the type of church that's gonna be out by noon, so the dad can watch football at one o'clock. Hey, <laughs> man, listen, I'm not mad at it. Cause when she was, when Grandma was dragging us, we was in there from eight o'clock, and I think we had like Sunday school first, so that's oh why we had God. to go early. And she was a part of a, like every board in there. She was a part. She was like. <sighs> The the heart of the church. Okay. So she had she had her hands in everything. She was bringing food. She was playing the piano. 
She was doing like black history lessons in there. Mm-hmm. She was just everywhere doing everything. So we had to go to Sunday school. Then after that, I think we had the huge sermon where yep. everybody filed in and went there. And that shit was like four hours long. And then depending upon the day, I had to go to choir practice as well because she mm. threw me on the choir. So sometimes I was going there and I was at church anywhere between four to six hours. That's too much. Th- you know me. what I'm saying? That's that, that's when I was like, bro, grandma, please. Nah. No. Like, nah. so, so when you grow up like that, you can easily grow an aversion yes. towards that sort of structure. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be there all day. And you dress me up like this. And this is all mad, uncomfortable. The ties all up in my Church in the summer is a sin, I swear to God. Because that, that, it be hot. It be hot. Like, man. Like, look. I'm, and you in a room full of people just screaming. It's just hot breath circulating. Yes. But I mean, <laughs> it, it's, all, it's all people, though. Like, I don't really mind. Like, I don't mind it. Like, it, it, to me, it was just, it was weird to me. Regardless of where I go or what part of the nation I'm in, it always happens, and it's just weird. Yeah. It's very, very freaking weird to me. But not nah, like, like I rarely, in terms of jokes, yeah, I, I don't. I touch mostly everything except, except like those two, really, and and it's just personal reasons. I like I like the idea of riffing a whole lot, simply because again, it's it's what I love to do. I mm-hmm. I don't I do this podcast without notes and without you scripting things out because mm-hmm. there's something. There's something beautiful about rooting yourself in the moment mm-hmm. and just allowing all the information because there's more than enough information here for us to work with. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two, mm-hmm. there's something awesome about that challenge. Yes. Challenge yourself in going through the the rigmarole of just rigorous, in-depth mm-hmm. exchange at mm-hmm. a moment's notice. I, I really like it because I'm sorry to cut you off. I no. really like to riff off like that. And cause like when I do certain sets, I have certain words. And then, and depending on how I feel, I can make it an exaggeration. I can quiet down a little bit. I like to have control of that kind of situation, especially the riff bucket is really honestly that I, I was kind of upset that I got uh, homework holidays. But look, it's luck of the draw because I really wanted a Joe Biden. Uh, I, I wrote Joe Biden down the riff bucket because I had whole I had whole things in my notes where I was oh Joe Biden I bet and when my notes I was like I right, Trader Joe. Uh, like trade. I was <laughs> like, Trader Joe. I was like Trader Joe. Like you trade all these uh, like your sex with like I had all this types of shit. Like I was so ready to do Joe Biden, and then I got Hallmark holidays. I'm Did like, you grow up with Hallmark holidays at all? Oh, so, so you didn't have too much to sort of. I really grew up on BET. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on BET. BET movies where the cuss words were every three words, and I they asked, did. I asked this man about Hallmark holidays. He said, "No, I grew up on BET." This is like, did you uh, did you read any Sports Illustrated? No, I had Jet Magazine. Yeah, uh, you uh, Ebony, there, Ebony. Yeah, there you go. No, I did have Jet Magazine all the time, dude. Jet- to flip over to Bruh. like page 39 or whatever it was it always had the, yeah mm. the beauty the mm. beauty of the week beauty of the month yeah the week. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that, sure. that that was not but now like <laughs> no because every, every time i think about home i'm thinking about lifetime movies for some freaking reason every time everybody say hallmark holidays i think about lifetime movies and that's what that why that joke makes a lot more sense if you if you're referring yeah, yeah. to lifetime movies yeah because hallmark holidays is nothing but sweet sweet shit yeah. Right. It's the same story over and over and over again. It's just different. And sometimes there'd be a lot of the same actors 
in they just cycle them through this system. Oh, they, that they the holiday it. season. I think I've seen a couple Hallmark movies, holiday movies. They recycle those actors in every holiday movie. It's, every single one. It's it's so weird. They getting bread though. But yeah, but I mean, like every time I think about Hallmark, I think about Lifetime. Oh and then, yeah, see, and then, so you took yeah because those are deeper. Those, those are deep. that has a deeper, darker link there. Yeah. So that's why you thought R. Kelly and Whitney Houston. Yeah, I immediately thought. <laughs> I immediately thought that. I swear, like every time, and even now, when you said that, I was like, "Grew up on BET." I'm like, "Dog." I, every time I think about Hallmark movies, I think about Lifetime, and it's like maybe because that Whitney Houston movie was not it mm. or something. Like it's just, it's it's imp- it's like it's in my brain. I don't know why I can't get it out. In in the the last frontier, we've touched on it a little bit of mm. of this therapy block, mm. this therapy apparatus that you've been yeah. building with all these different avenues that yeah. you do all these things in. First of all, you just you just got a lot of energy. Why, why do you do so many things? What's going on with you? <laughs> you know, like, all right, we we're going down to a valley once more. <laughs> all right, so the reason why I got into podcasting, one, I I I wanted to connect, like I said, the DMV and everything like that. At the same time, I was expecting that at, at one point, I was expecting my first kid. Um, One second, when you say you mm. wanted to connect, does that mean that you wanted to just learn what was out there and how people are doing things, or you wanted people to have a hub to come and share the, or just both? Both. Okay. Um, both. And I knew that. So at the time, my wife was pregnant, um, and I got cl- certified clearance for this, so she get mad at me. I'm like, you clarified, you cleared this, but she uh, had miscarriage, okay. uh, and this is around the time where I just lost my dad. Um, she just lost her dad like last year. So oh, it, it was like, man. it was like, tra- it was just trauma, trauma, trauma. So she lost, she, we lost our first kid. And, but at, during that time while I was prepping, I was like, all right, I'm going to cut down my training in jujitsu. I'm going to have to cut back. I wanted to like, all right, I can do, I can go down to the comedy club down 20 minutes down the street, do my little bit, come back. I'll be having full energy whenever and you need me to trade off, whatever. Same thing with podcasting. I do podcasting in my own complex. So I'd be downstairs for an hour, two hours, come back up. No problem. So for me. It was that was the first avenue I thought about. It's like, all right, I can't do my main thing, which is jujitsu. What other things can I do to actually sustain my how I want to be active? So that was my main hub. That's number one. Number two is I just like doing lots of shit. Okay, okay. Um, and you've always been that way. I always, well, no, I actually, I'll honestly say my wife has made change for the better to That's make awesome. me to do to be able to do the things I want to do. That's I've really put everything onus on her every time I I I. Get on mic. I always put onus on to her because she went through. She did uh, VCU nursing school, worked two jobs, one of those, and, and she was a hustler. She's still a hustler. And I was like, all right, I'm just working out Buffalo Damn. Wild Wings and BJ's. I need to step my shit up because <laughs> I she going places. I ain't doing shit. And so, Buffalo Wild Wings was a damn party. Yo, we, yo that was a yo, party. I, we got all right. Before we, we we'll but, get to that, we'll, we we got we got to we'll get put to a that. Mark in that. I, I I definitely got to talk to you about both Wild Bookmark, Wings. Bookmark, oh, oh my god, dog. Oh my god. Bookmark. Um, but nah, like so that was my main reason for that. So then when time passed, and, and like I said, so then my, my wife miscarried. I was like, nah, I love doing this. I want to keep on doing it, and, we, and I've flexed my schedule enough to be able to do it. I've I talked about this uh, off mic, but it was like I this week I've been outside. Uh, and the re- I'm able to do that because my wife lo- lets me do what I want to do. For example, Monday I was training. Tuesday I was, uh, like I said, Tuesday I was at the open mic uh, for shooters. But that afternoon on my lunch break, I was training over jujitsu at Pentagon. Fire. And then Wednesday I didn't do jujitsu that night, but I hit the gym that morning. And I did my open mic there. Same thing Thursday, did the training there. So I find time to be home. 
main thing that I learned throughout everything is how can I find time to be home? The other thing that kind of works everything with my schedule is my wife stopped when she got out of nursing with her 12 hour shifts and shout out to any nurse that's watching right now because y'all do a hell of a lot of shit and y'all don't get paid enough. And she got more to eight to five or nine to five with the uh, dermatology job. She's more home now. So it doesn't seem like she doesn't see me. I don't see her. My schedule flows with her. We, like it, it really depends. If you really want stuff to work with your partner and you want to do all these things, make sure your partner is your best business partner as well because she'll guide you or your or he will guide you to where you need to be. Like if you feel like my wife told me straight up, she was like, May's coming up. I don't think you're gonna be able to do the podcast enough because we got this, this, and this. Took a sit back. I was like, she's right. I'm gonna be overextending myself. Had to cut back. Um and I can be able to do training and or open mics. And that's just what happens. And then when I come back, it's just like, all right, cool. I can I can fit my time in and do different things. It's just all about timing. Like I always feel like if you can do uh, multiple things, you're more valuable to, to anybody. But I also want to be able to show when I have my future kids or my, my nieces and nephews that are when they come of age and like, man, I want to do this, all this. I want my people to say, hey, go to your Uncle Will. He'll show you how to do something or he'll tell you how, to, hey, you want to do this part? This is how you navigate through that. So for me, it's always been uh, I just I just love what I do and I don't get tired. Like I've really when I'm home, I'm home. I'm not, and Rose, like, Rose, no, I, I'm not a clubber. I'm not a partier anymore. Jiu-Jitsu yeah. killed all that shit. Cause you party, you ain't gonna be, right. You ain't gonna be doing jujitsu like that. But if you're really about your game, really about your training, um, I just filled my time up what I can do for the rest of the rest of my day. And luckily enough, when I, I got done with my second degree, now I have time to do it. When I have my school stuff, I won't be able to do any of this. But since I'm out of school fully now, fully immersed into society, it's like, yo, I got enough hours in the day. I can do something. So that's how I take it. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. Do we need to get into B-dubs? Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, because I don't, because one, <clears throat> how long were you there? Because I got there and you bounced very soon after that. Do you know, you, do you know the story how I bounced? You want to go into that? I can tell you the good story how I bounced, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, we need that. All right. So I think Dan was the, Dan, white guy, comb over. You remember him? No. Uh, skinny. No, he must have left by that yeah, time. Yeah, he probably left. Um, plus managers come and go. Because we're talking place. about managers. Yeah, man. See, I had, I had. Uh... I know Diego. Diego's was my guy when I first got hired. I know he back over there now. I forget. I had the dude that looked like Seth Rogen. Oh, fat chunky boy. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So he was new on scene. Dan, I think, was the back end. He was the kitchen manager at that point. Now, um. And I think there was another guy that was a kitchen manager. I forget. He had a little hair, blonde hair, whatever. So my section in B-dubs, here's how far my schedule was. So when BJ's opened up down the street, it would be like this. I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings Friday night and Sunday morning so I can keep my shift for the football season in the the fall. Important. It's very important because you're on that schedule and you're on that shit list. Good fucking luck. Yeah, it's crazy. Um... So I kept those two days, but on my Fridays, I'm supposed to be on the bar on that, where the, uh, I forget, they changed their shit out now, but you, there used to be seats on the other side and it'd be happy hour on one side of the bar. All right. And I had the teachers, I had the Marcel Middle School teachers. I remember this to this day because they had me as a kid, they had my sister as a kid. They knew me, they loved me. I know their orders off the top of their head. They'll pay me out 
a good cash out, and I'll make my money for that Friday worth my time at Buffalo Wild Wings. So Seth Rogen, uh, he decided to put me in, he did this two weeks in a row. He put me in dining rooms, and I was pissed because, one, I'm not supposed to be there. Two, my guests are on the other side. They're requesting me. I'm not going to take up someone else's section as proper wait waiters etiquette. etiquette. Yeah, I'm not going to cover up someone else's section because... Oh, that's my people. They asking for me. No, fuck that. They're in the bar. That's their that's shit. That's a good code of ethics. It's a code of ethics. It's very. It's not like that no more around here. <laughs> but, but yeah. So when yeah, people are grimy. Oh my god. Yo, servers, stop stealing other servers' tables. That's crazy. I don't get that. People really do that. I don't on get the it. regular. I don't get it because I back in the day it's a you jungle. Would, it's a jungle out here. But back in the day, you would get popped for that shit. <laughs> you get popped. I don't care. But so back to the teacher, back to the back to the Seth Rogen. So I'm on, I'm on, I'm angry at the manager, and they already know I'm working at BJ's because I was working at BJ's Saturday night. Um, working, I took Monday off out, no, Monday night I was working at BJ's, and then Tuesday was my day off, and Wednesday I'll pick up a shift here and there. But and when I got what well, when I was talking to that manager, I was like, Look, I'm supposed to be in the bar. He's like, No, you're gonna be in the dining room. Well, I was like, We got a problem because they asking for me. And he was like, I don't care. They can ask for you all you want. I'm not going to move you over there. So I was like, all right. All right, cool. And I just remembered his name, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, cool. I look at the back schedule. And I see they took me off for the following Friday. I was like, all right. I just only had one table. And they haven't paid out. I have no cash in my pocket. I'm going to walk off shift. So I walk off shift. I was like, screw this, fuck this. Y'all can have my keys, all this. Bye. I get down to glory days. I get a call from Travis. Travis hit me up. He was like, yo, man. I tried calling Travis in the back room, in that back pod, mm -hmm. right? I tried calling him. I was like, yo, because I was pissed off. I was like, I wasn't trying to walk off shift. And I tried to call him, but this nigga wasn't answering. He was supposed to be your good conscience. Good, my good conscience uh, not leaving. But my good conscience didn't want to leave. Pick, he didn't pick up the phone. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about that. He didn't pick up the phone. So when we did all this, right, I, I said, I'm quit. I'm done. Travis called me. He's like, yo, Buffalo Wild Wings called me saying they want you back and to cover your section and all this stuff. Like I'm like, well, I'm already two drinks in, sir. I'm not going to come back on shift drunk because I can get in very serious trouble. And they're going to fire me by the end of the night anyway. So why the fuck are we even talking about this? He was like, good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Solid. Where are you at right now? My glory days. He's like, all right, cool, man. I'll swing by. So me and Travis. We had a couple beers, drinks in, and then he was like, yo, man, what do you want to do? And I just turned 21 that a uh, couple weeks ago. Wow. And I said, I've never been to the casino because I turned 21. haven't been out there. So we went out to the casino at MGM. <laughs> we went to, no, MGM wasn't around by then. We went to Rondo Mills. Went to Rondo Mills. And I had $200 in my pocket. No, $200 in my car. Took that shit out and lost it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I was really, really hoping for a happy ending nah, there. Nah, nah, nah. But it was a beautiful time because it was like, I, I got done with a Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm over at BJ's. I'm good to go over you there. Get some drinks with your I, boy. My, catching up. Straight uh, to the done. casino. They kept lose on, it all. Yeah, lose it all. Because they kept on playing me about bartenderships. So I was like, nah, because me and Trav, we look alike. So I was like, yo, man, y'all can have both of us back there. And we had the part. They, they missed out on so much marketing opportunities. Anyway, uh, that's next morning, right? I get back. Travis drives us all the way back because I'm fucking lit. And I remember getting in my car and I remember getting at his house. And it was 2 a.m. 
That's the only two. That's the only thing I remember. And we left the casino by one. He was whipping in my car. I get there, get home, wake up the next morning. My dad's like, you "Have a good night." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm good. Like I'm I'm groggy, but I'm I'm playing it off, walking it off, right?" I was like, "You doing anything?" I'm like, "Nah, I didn't do nothing last night. I just got home late, you know, working, all this stuff, blah blah blah." Like, I ain't gonna tell my. I'm 21 at this point, living in my parents' house. You're not gonna tell them you just. Hey, I quit my job and I went to the casino. And, Especially because you said this is like a hard dude. Like yeah, you he, said he ex-military. Hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both him and my mom. So here's the funny part. So I get through breakfast. Breakfast is good. I get a call while I'm going to BJ's for the morning shift. He was like, don't you ever fucking lie to me again. Because your Bank of America card got into the negative in my checking when I took out the $200 and I have notifications on your account. Damn. I was like, nigga got me trapped like the FBI in this bitch. Damn. Yeah. And then I think probably six months after I left BJ's, I got to Northwest and I closed out my accounts after that moment. I was like, nah. Wow. Yeah. He still had my stuff unlocked like that. I think my sister's stuff was not unlocked like that. Was he just trying... Really? Hmm. No, no. I, I raise questions now because I was going to ask why that exactly is the case. My sister was 24, 25. Um, so you feel like he she, just kind of saw her as more as a full-fledged adult yeah, that wasn't going to quit her job and go to the casino in the middle of the night? <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, if you don't... That have, is a wild move, my nigga. But you're young, too, so... Yeah, you don't give a fuck. That's what you're going to do at 21. I mean... I was doing wild shit at 21. I mean... that. I, oh, yeah. But here's the thing, though. Like, when you're 20, in the DMV area, if you were a child of this area, the casino was the last run you had to do. Because between 18 and 20, you've seen some shit. That's <laughs> very see, true. You've seen yeah, some that, shit. Yeah, that's very true. So, it was that's like, the, sure. the 21 was like, all right, that's the casino run. That's it. That's all you got. That's all she wrote, bro. Mm-hmm. So, I did that. I mean, but Buffalo Wilds in general, I had no, besides the bullshit managers, did they still do the, uh, Do you, are you employed? Oh no. Oh, okay, okay. oh no, 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 no. Haven't been there for ye- probably six years. Or all, right. Whew. all right, cool. We can talk shit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you remember Bottle Fridays? Ba- Baller? Fr- no, no ba- Bottle Fridays. No. So me and Trav way back, right? So we started bringing bottles in our trunk in the parking lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we used to do it before fight nights. So we, but because you, when you deal with fight nights, yeah. you're there till 2, 3 a.m. off of some bullshit. It's the same motherfuckers there the entire fucking night, and they leave you forty dollars on your tip. Yeah, strong nights. So we used to drink on shift because it's like nigga, we just babysitting these motherfuckers. Um, it got out of proportion. I'm certain of it. Oh yeah, way out of control. Oh wait, way out of control to turn into a team meeting. I remember this shit too because me and Trab, I think they found out maybe three months later, and it was a team meeting along amongst other things. It was like Diego, um. And I think the head V supervisor above Diego, I forget his name. Um, I remember his family because they all were cunts. Um, <laughs> Take a shot at the oh. whole family. You, you ever seen a kid that was so privileged that he starts wearing black clothes? Well, when you say black clothes. I'm talking about jerseys, <laughs> the do-rag. The hat backwards, the yeah, chain. Actually, no, the yeah, 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 yeah. His son was, that. yeah, his son was like that. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> the do rags yeah, is the yeah, hilarious yeah, part. That's yeah, the best part. Yeah, oh my god, it's, it's like getting it's like waves, wow. getting these waves right. You're getting the, what <laughs> waves do you have? <laughs> so cape, cape out too. Yeah. So we did. So there was a whole meeting, and me and Trav showed up fucking drunk as a skunk. 
me and him sleeping in the back. Like, we didn't give a fuck. Like, because at the time, they were reaming the people that got caught. Me and Trap never got caught. We just started the shit. <laughs> so we had that. That was Ball Fridays. Um, I'm I'm writing the whole squad out for this. Um, Bottle Fridays. Bottle Fridays. Oh, my God. Because you made it seem like that was something that was sanctioned by Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> oh, oh. There was there was uh, managers in on the take. I'm certain of it. Oh, there was managers oh, in on yeah. the take. No, that does, I completely believe you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. It don't matter what era you in, you gonna see some. It don't. It doesn't get less crazier. Mm-mm. It's just whether you in on the crazy or not. Yeah, but there's always something going down. Yeah, like I'm. I'm. The group was fine, but man, I swear, dude, like that whole Buffalo Wild, that whole thing from the concerts. Uh, right. Oh my god, I hated the concert crowd. It well, did you or did it depend on who was coming to perform? Or, I, or you just hated people coming to tailgate there? I hated people tailgating there because sometimes it would be hit or miss on depending on who you get. I remember the only people that did well were the people that, not even well, it was just a big group of them. It's about 20, 25 country heads that I grew up, I went to high school with them, and they would come in every single time. And they did decent sometimes. And then there's sometimes I'm like, bro, y'all didn't need to be out here for like three hours after the show. So it's like hey, hey, the country the concerts, nah. Like the rap concerts, that ain't no problem. Uh, but the concerts, the Sunday football bullshit, sometimes was out, outrageous. I could not understand how a kitchen could be so backed up when you have the same people for six hours. Um, I don't understand what prep work goes into that. Not shining my kitchen people, but goddamn. Shout out to Stanley. Oh, Stanley was still. You had Stan, Stanley, my G. Yeah, Stanley was OG. With me. Yo, drop two hundred wings, Stanley. Stanley was all nigga. flats. Stanley, Stan, uh, shout out to Stan, bro. That my OG. That OG, triple yeah, OG. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met a lot of. You see, that's my thing. Is a lot of times I, I can't speak on other people's experience working places. Yeah, but you can experience some bullshit while you're there. But it's such a beautiful thing to sometimes you. Sometimes you can have the wherewithal. To know that you're dealing with the bullshit, just like you and your wife taking that trip and you hungry mm-hmm. and you just like, you told me you was going to feed me. And sometimes you can have the wherewithal to sort of detach from that and see it from a third person perspective and be like, this is bullshit. Like, I, th- like this is like, I'm being, I'm on some bullshit. This situation is some bullshit. And same way at your job, at your current job for yeah. anyone listening, I'm dealing with some bullshit. But you can look from the outside and be like, but it's really okay though. Yeah, it's really okay, and you're gonna look back at this with laughs, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be good nature and good yeah. vibes. Like it's just you met a bunch of cool people there. Oh, yeah, you maybe hopefully extracted some good people out of there, and you actually have some real friends that oh, you yeah. took from there, and you left everyone else behind. Yeah, right, because you got to do that too. Oh yeah. So that's how I look back at it. Mm-hmm. I had I met a ton. I had actually still have to this day mm-hmm. some pretty decent friends. Oh from yeah, that, hell from yeah. That time. I think everybody, whoever you served and came up with. You're going to meet some people out there. It's going to be amazing. You're going to meet some amazing people. You're going to meet some crazy people. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's going to be very interesting how each one comes across you. And they're going to be coming with, like, I, I love all my B-dubs people. Still this day. Shout out because, to Sunit. Oh, Sunit. Um, freaking Autumn, Amani, Amani's oh. sisters. <laughs> all four, five of y'all. I yeah, love all yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah. To- um, yeah, Toto, Shay, Dottie. Yeah. Dot, dot, I remember Shay would, no. Which one's the youngest? I forget that would, about that. That would be Shay. Shay, yeah, because I've met all three of them at different stages. It's crazy. Um, I remember 
Shout out to I think Cassie was still there if I remember if I recall. Um, shit. She's Aaron, at Hooters now. Yeah. Snapchat isn't lying to me. Where <laughs> I remember Anne Marie. Um, I think Jesse Bauer still there. I believe, believe Anne Marie may be on her second child. Yeah, she on her second child now. Um, congrats to her. Yeah, people it, have. Yeah, man. Time just goes. A lot of there were so many part one beat ups. And a lot of service industry, just in general, are just parties. Mm-hmm. They're just parties. They're people drinking. They're smoking. They're fucking. They're popping pills. That's when I. That's Bro. when I started learning about that. Like people like popping Adderall. Like that's when I kind of came across that and saw mm. it happening in mass. People mm. going into bathrooms doing coke. Like getting a part of the. I ain't no be there like that. The food and beverage mm. industry. Yeah, and you like start learning how people stay up mm-hmm. for. And do and pull three doubles in a row, you start realizing how they do that. It it, it isn't good sleep at night, Mm-mm. right? You know what I mean? Like no. you, they come in, they got the monster, they got the Red Bull, they got the Starbucks, they got the caffeine pills, yep. and they got the Adderall and the Coke on deck. Yep. And then they have a little bit of weed and drinks to like even themselves out Bro, at some point. It was time. not a shift that I was not high at. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's really not a shift. I'm not. I'm really not which bullshit. Is, which is hilarious too, because it's serving. Now I used to go smack a lot of times too, but like when you when you serve sober, you realize that going in there smacked and serving is that's a wild decision to make. It, it really because is. because serving takes such quick analytics and prioritization, mm-hmm. right? I got to, okay, these people are the kind of like looking around. I feel like I should go make a round over there, touch the table. Oh, but I got to go get this order in. I actually have an order I actually have to put in. Oh, they need somebody to run this stuff in the back. Okay, can I walk over here, mm-hmm. pick this up, clear this table, talk to this person, go over here, get this bar drink, take this order, and then meet back over here and help run this food. Like you're trying to prioritize all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And then when you're on the route to doing all these things, mm-hmm. You're going to get a couple more tasks because some people are going to ask you to come help them run this or to come. Can you come do this birthday announcement for me? There's just just going to be a bunch of wild shit going on all the time. So it takes wild prioritization. So to be high as hell and to be trying to do that, you don't give a fuck. (laughs) It was zero fucks giving. But here's here's the thing I did, though. I always make sure for my, my servant shifts, I always show up at least 10 minutes early. Okay. Because I wanted to come into that mindset of, I am smack right now, but let me get everything organized for myself so I can be the best person I can possibly be. While smack. While smack. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so I wouldn't be like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm rushing like five minutes late, everything behind. See, you got to have your trip in a good way. You got to be, you, you got to be uh, timely because you, everything about servant is time. Um, I wasn't the one that be smacking. I'm like, oh, right, I'm gonna do everything from memory. That ain't gonna do it, bro. It ain't gonna. No. <laughs> it's not gonna do it. I write down everything. I make sure I flag them, all that stuff. I remember it to the T. But there was not one shift. <laughs> not and, one. And, not one. In my service, in my service time between BJ's and Buffalo Wild Wings, where I was not high as fuck off weed. And that's what's always. That's what's also impressed me about you as well, because I was never a super. I want to say functional, but I should say productive smoker. I've always been a productive smoker. Yeah, see, because you're running around here and you're doing all these different things mm-hmm. and more so than just doing them, just the simple fact of showing up at a comedy club and telling jokes mm-hmm. or just showing up at the place and rolling with the people or just showing up when you told somebody that you're going to record a podcast with them. Like You're showing up for these things, but you're doing it with 
efficiency. Yes. Like you, you, you're here preaching about time management. Yes. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like you have conditioned yourself to be the productive mm-hmm. smoker because yes. it didn't, it didn't start like that, right? No, I've realized my strand. I love hybrid sativa high. Okay. And, and or or sativa based because of the fact that in the, if I'm doing indica, I'm doing indica to go to sleep. I cannot function. That's the one thing I realized. <laughs> I cannot function. I cannot function off of indica. I cannot function off of sativa. Straight up sativa, I'm straight. Um, and what I do is I don't smoke. A lot of people think like when I smoke, I smoke blunts like on my way there, finish a the blunt, roll another one. No, I don't do that. I roll a nice little fat one, and every every move I make, I'm like, right, I smoke a little bit here, put it out. Smoke a little bit here, put it out. So that one blunt lasts me the entire day. So I'm just getting a buzz, really, but I'm being productive with that buzz. Because sometimes some people are lax. I, for me, if I'm busy, I'm I'm high. I'm good. And it's kind of weird because I I program my body like that. Um, we're serving. It was a little bit. It was hit and miss. Most sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was a lot easier to do it on football Sunday because you only had to deal with certain amount of people. And you, once you get that in, you're like, all right, my buzz is good. But there's sometimes where it doesn't really work out. And it just depends on that person. For me, it's always been uh, when I'm smoking, it's like, what is my purpose of doing this? Like, so for me, it's like, if I'm doing smoking for a comedy show, it's just for me to relax. If I'm smoking before a podcast, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm out and about, I'm rolling. Let me de-stress. It, for me, smoking's always been about relaxing. That's just the main point. Uh, it's just the time, dawn on me that I'm just very, very freaking productive. And the time management... I grew up, my, not only my dad was a Marine, my mom was a Marine too, the man Okinawa. So they always preach time. They always say, you, you're on time, you're 10 minutes early. Like I've always been predicated on my time, but even though I got East African wife now, it's bad. Damn. I, I always Jonah her time, bro. It's, 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 it's a common thread in my household. But when I talk about being product, productivity is that I don't want to waste your time. When, when my my main thing is I don't want to waste your time. You probably got something to do after this. I got something to do after this. That's number one. Number two is if I'm here ten minutes early. All right, cool. I can chill in my car a little bit. I can blast my music a little bit. I can finish my coffee. I can smoke a little bit more, and then get re- dressed and ready, set up, and go. I always preach time because a lot of people will, will give you opportunity because of how timely you are than how you are productivity wise. I love myself. I was always early for like any interview. Any interview, all that stuff, don't ever be show up late. That's just me. That's, that's just me. That's insane. Showing up late to an interview is crazy. I did. You know what's the craziest part? Like, even when I do COVID, I did all these interviews on Zoom. I'll probably be in the Zoom call probably five minutes early. Um, On top of that, with my hair right now, I did my interviews all in Afros. And I never did that because the stigmatism of, like, haircut, all this stuff. Like The no. very first thing that you ever said to me. Mm-hmm. Was you gonna want to pick your fro out, man? That's what you said to me. Mm-hmm. I came in there, my hair was nappy as fuck, and that's just how I wore it. Like I just wore it, like just super. Nappy and isn't time. it weird? <laughs> now look where we are. You said, "Yo, you gonna want to trust me? These people, like, you should just, yeah, like, yeah, like you'll you'll see it. Like they'll appreciate that. Yeah, you know." And I thought, damn. Like really now, I changed my whole hairstyle like recently after yeah. that, and it may it may have had something to do with you telling yeah. me that. But I thought, damn, like they're gonna be looking at me like I'm crazy because that was just something I wasn't. I was I'd be so high and just be frolicking in flowers mm-hmm. in my regular mm-hmm. off time that mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about no. the way that people were looking at me in my hair. That was so that was so far from me. My head was in the clouds. Uh, honestly, knowing now, 
and how acceptable it is now. Back then, yes. Now I wouldn't. I'm like, dude, do what you need to do. But and serving is so much more than serving tables. You have to be. I remember every Thursday, Friday, I'll get a fresh cut before work. I will make. Damn. I'll, Friday night, I will get a fresh cut. I will get either lineup. Second week, I will get a fresh cut. The reason why, well, you got fresh money coming in. The reason why is because everybody's going like, oh man, this you got nice. He's nice, well to do. All this stuff. It's always that's just the militant in me. That's first number one. Um, the number two is like I always made sure I had smell all that smell. You, you, you never smell want to, you, you, you never want that aroma. You ne- I've been some. That's certain. worse. That's oh the worst. You can't roll up on it because it'll. <laughs> I've been in so many situations where I'm like, bro, I can smell the either the cig off you, or I can or just the ass off you. Yeah, like I can really. I can name a handful of times. So I always make sure <sighs> when I smoked, I always made sure that my jersey was in the trunk or my, my shirt was in the in the in the trunk. I made sure my undershirt, I'll switch out even my undershirt because of the fact that I just didn't want that smell on me. I make sure I'll be laced up and good to go. But nowadays, man, I don't care what your hairstyle is. But back then, it is so judgmental. And maybe I've been out the game, y'all. So it was so judgmental back then. Um, I think that like a lot of people switch up their hairstyles because of that. You and may have just grown into yourself and just been like, yo, man, listen, like be proud. Just do do what you want to do and it'll it'll fall where it falls. As long as you're keeping yourself look kept. It's it's just, it's, it's kept up. It's, yeah, it's just that, kept that's up. that's the thing, because you can still have nappy and natural and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and it's kept. Yes. There, there there's a difference. There's a yeah. fine line between these things. Yeah. And the main thing was you were front seeing, you seeing people all the time. I don't see people anymore. I'm working from home. Mm. I can do whatever I want, bro. Yeah. So it's to me, I feel so di- I feel bad for that. But I, I'll, I'll tell Travis the same thing when he was like, man, I'm getting a little afro. I'm like, all right, bro, you got to cut a little bit or at least make it nice. Um, everybody, no one at that time now understands the black hair process. No one. Now, they're probably a little bit more accepting because of the fact that got all these ethnicity movements, stuff like that. Hold up. It's, when is Juneteenth? Is that this weekend? Oh, no, next weekend. Next. Oh, God. All right, cool. Got to make sure I can get out of that. <laughs> but, uh, nah. Nah, I was thinking about, like, hair and stuff. I'm like, isn't there something that Joe Biden gave us that we didn't really want? Oh, yeah, it was June T. But, um, that we didn't really want. No, everybody was talking about everything else. And he's like, I'll give you June And I'm like, well, I mean. I could use a holiday. <laughs> yeah. People take it. They People like take to hang it. out. Yeah, you know. Barbecue. Look, I went to one last year. Was it last year? Maybe yeah, year before. Yeah, look. Yeah. And, like, and you grow up in the culture. You have that. And then at the same time, people don't understand. Like, look, when Donald Trump gave that 1400 I guarantee you were not mad at Donald Trump. I guarantee you that. But at the same time, it's just people's priorities are different. But back to the hair <laughs> thing. Um, I feel like I'm Chris Rock right now. Without the slap. Um... <laughs> Nah, but with the hair thing, man, it's just so. My process with my hair has been different. I always wanted to grow out my hair. I just never had a, a time and affordability to grow out my hair and see me as, especially with us and our complexion, our particular complexion of being dark skinned has always never been a good look. Oh, uh, <laughs> yo! Not this, even trying to this roast. Shit is going wild. This is I'm not even trying to roast. Into a wild pot in the last five. Years. Hey, don't, bro! I told you it's, I was gonna bring heat, and you gonna never, be like, "It's <laughs> never been a good look." I feel so. This is where I, you you could say my head has been in. Well, my head was in the clouds when I was just. It was just in a fog because I was smoking so damn much every day. Do you and, smoke now, still? No, I know I don't. Oh, nice. So, so 
half of my money at a point in time went to purchasing weed and the other half went to buying food and feeding the homeless. So that's what that's I so that's what I was doing with my money. Uh-huh. The, I could have done it better, right? <laughs> but I was just high as hell and I was young and it was mm-hmm. just like the height of my hippie stage. Like it was hey, just, hey, everybody got it. Right, yeah. So that's all I was worried about. Um, but that had to transcend into a newer version. I still have a lot of these elements in me and I think they're beautiful because they're mm-hmm. open-minded and I connect with people and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm creative. Mm-hmm. And so they had to just mature mm-hmm. into a different part of me, a mm-hmm. different version. Mm-hmm. And so now it's not that my header is in the clouds and that is why I'm not aware of how other people look at me. I just think that I'm going to live within truth. Yeah. And so I live on the grade of my character. Facts. And after that, I mean, yeah, like I clean my beard up, yeah. shave my head off or whatever, yeah. and I just like to be hygienic. Yes. Right? But aside from that, I'm not doing, I'm I'm never going out just thinking, man, I really hope that like they think that I'm a stand-up guy because I'm I'm looking like this. Or what if they don't think that? I might lose out on an opportunity. If I'm, because mm-hmm. if I get a chance to speak with you. Yeah. And you're and you're not fucking with me. There's something else that's like that's misguiding you or that's blocking you. That's mm-hmm. causing blinders because I don't fit into some sort of mold. Yeah. Then then we're not meant to do no sort of business. We're not meant to collab. And that, and that's facts. And that's facts. I also think I take in consideration of what I'm saying is that at that time um, we had a lot of I want to say mash. We had a lot of cases with black men. Mm. Um. And some of them was just a full look to their skin or for whatever their style was. You can name them. It's whole shirts. We fill up shirts now, unfortunately. Um, and I think at that time, a lot of us was just black, 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 man, black man, a black man, amen. Just be safe. Be presentable. That's it. Now we just don't give a fuck because we've been so tired of playing that narrative, like you said, of being safe. You guys go, I'm, I have to fit in, all this stuff. No, I, and I, I took that kind of narrative in the way I work. Like my previous job, before I got to this new tech job, I've realized that my lingo and my way of saying things was not really, <laughs> uh, I would say- It wasn't as prevalent and, and, and prominent in that field? Yeah, because I was probably one of three black people in the company, eventually down to one, to the only black male in the company. Um, it got down to, I mean, I, I I never got flagged for what I wear or anything like that. But my attitude was so nonchalant that people didn't really understand me. And a lot of people didn't really um, know how to approach me in a certain extent. And then when people were being disrespectful about certain things, that's when I got a problem. Let, let, me, let me give you this tidbit about how disrespectful it was. Because I, I guarantee you, and this is... Like I said, peaks and valleys. This is another valley, y'all. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so when my dad passed, right, I already maxed out my PTO. And they were okay with it. And I was like, all right. They were like, take your time. Deal with your family. All this stuff. I was like, blah. Okay, cool. I got to like that Tuesday. What is it called? Uh, it's not grievance. It's, um, is it? I thought it was like is it, bereavement. Bereavement. There, there we go. And bereavement is not paid. If if you've maxed out your PTO, then bereavement they still, is not. They, they still paid me. Oh, okay, that, okay. That one, they that one they still paid me. They gave me at least that respect. 
but they gave me till Tuesday of that following. My dad died. Mm, my dad died Tuesday. I was off for okay. two days. Yeah, I came back Friday. Yeah, so excuse me, I got off till Tuesday because I mean, we were still doing the whole uh, funeral stuff for like the following week or two weeks later. I remember on my way out, I told my boss, I was like, hey, there's a situation with this one ticket. I don't have the information. When you get the information, please do this for me. Blah, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, hey, yeah, I got you, Will. Go ahead and you got to do your stuff, right? I already told him my dad passed. By the time I got back Tuesday, it wasn't done. The customer was upset. He, my manager at the time, sent this information to uh, a different team who his rank, and, and again, this is Milton, y'all. Pulling rank. I'm pulling rank here, but he's a VP, and she was a team manager, and she did not do what he needed to be done. And then they come back to me, all huffing and puffing, like, well, you need to get this done. I was like, my bad. Thought He told me. I thought this was done by them. It wasn't done. I'm so sorry. I'm like, all right, cool. Sent it over. Got done. Right? Had like two days, and then I had to go off for my dad's funeral or whatnot. Come back that Monday, they give me, hey, Will, you got to have a meeting with such and such about that situation. And again, I'm the only black man in this room. And my manager is a white male and the VP above him is a senior VP is a white female. So they go over the situation with me and they're like, well, why didn't you get this done? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, my dad just died and I told them what to do with it. And from my where I'm sitting is uh, someone on your team did not do the exact thing that Brian said. That need, oh, I'm sorry, just cross his name. <laughs> but I don't give a fuck. Because uh, he no longer works there either. So fuck him oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so many fuck yous around. Uh, so it, someone was insubordinate to Brian. Why is that person not in this meeting as well? Because I can understand how I messed up on my end. But why are you giving the same attention? She couldn't answer that question. She was like, well, this is just a warning and just letting you know. And do you accept? I was like, no, I don't accept this. This is why are we even having this conversation? I just died. My pops just died. I do not expect this from anybody by giving me something about a ticket, more or less because of my pop, like, because I was not wrong. It's wildly insensitive. And it's wildly insensitive. So, meanwhile, I'm doing this, I'm, as my voice getting bigger and bigger, she just rushes off the phone. And... At that moment, it was like maybe a month later, two months later before. Uh, no, I actually scratched that. But after the holiday season, about two weeks before my birthday, they cut me because I they had a survey go out. I guess I didn't like their survey. And boom. But yeah, it happens. But they preach so much about collectivity, about all the like all that stuff. I'm like, well, every person you hired was. Uh, Suburban descent and male. Sub- Yo, this this usage <laughs> of suburbia is hilarious. When I go to a comedy show and it's more suburban, uh, suburban descent, suburban descent, suburban descent, suburban descent yeah, and male, and not. I wasn't even mad about him being a male, but it's like not even representing women. Um, and it's kind of funny how I'm saying this, y'all. And everybody's like, "Man, will you tripping?" Let me tell you this. This to this day, there's still only one black female there. The only v, the only f- senior VP that was a female who I just talked about is no longer there. You tell me where the math math is. If there's only one black person, there's all male cast. What do you think is going to happen? Like that's the in, the inconsistencies I, I I did not like. I mean, I'm happy I'm out, but it's just like 
is not just about color for me. It's also about representation and other factors that bother me. Like it, 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 the insensitivity. You know what okay. I mean? And when people are like, "Oh, you pushing back? You shouldn't be pushing," and then and just take it. I'm like, "No, I'm not going to take it." And when you don't take it like that, they don't see you as an employee. They see you as the angry black man. And I'm, and that's the coat that I'm okay with now. <laughs> so this is where hair got us. This is where the hair this got us. This is where hair got us. It actually happened when I got laid off. I was like, no, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to just go out my hair. And I did all my interviews through So Afro. you you grew your hair in spite. In spite. Wow. In spite because I was always told that regardless of where I'm at, my voice does matter. This What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And then, again, when you had that full service moment of, oh, this company's preaching this and preaching that. And then you see how they falter between the other lines. Like, we don't. As black people or as a, someone of any descent, you see what people do by their actions. You don't see by what their words are anymore. Because what the word we've seen words for as long as our we've been alive, it don't always plan out what they say. So when I start seeing them not doing what they say and the disrespect that was coming my way, and I guarantee you, um, someone else recently passed it, during my own time frame. Someone in the group's family recently passed. No one gave them smoke. And she was a white female. No one gave her smoke. You mean she was from suburban descent? Suburban descent, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's what you mean. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I had a correction. So, so speaking of words and mm-hmm. actions yes. and hopefully those matching up, yes. when it comes to your podcast platform, I mean, mm-hmm. I've watched a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Are you going out of your way to try to represent women? or And if so, what are you doing differently, if mm-hmm. anything at all, if you know you're having a woman on the podcast. So I need, well, one thing I need to do and I need to preach and practice what I preach. I need to have more female guests on there. So ladies, if y'all have anything, please DM me. Um, and not personally, but he is married. Yes. Yes. Unless you want leave African him alone. coming in your head. Leave him. That's crazy. <laughs> it's really, bro. Did, did she clear that joke? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bro, I'm telling you, I, I get clearance. I have, all this time out. Okay. Yeah, but anyway. Okay. All right. But uh, and, I'll, and I'll make sure to throw all your information in yeah, the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go find the stuff but, in the description. Yeah. But uh, I used to have a female co-host, Miss um, Aria Jackson, lovely person. She does. Um, what? She's it? a doula. Correct? She's a doula. Thank you for reminding. She is a doula. She is a pole dancer. Always love and respect her. Great time with her. I wanted her on my show because it brings in a, a, a black female or any kind of type of female onto the show, but. Things didn't work out and everything like that. But I would like to have more of that because I think black, I think actually, no, I have my, one of my good friends uh, next month uh, coming on that. She does a locks. She's a legacy locks. She owns that and talk about that business. But what I look for and bringing female, anything that you do, I think females definitely run the world. I think that they are very intellect and what they want to do, what they perceive as and hearing their stories. What, what really bugs me um, about what females have told me is that the level of disrespect that they get into their DMs is outrageous. Yeah, I've I've had that conversation quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the it's, level. It's kind of wild. The level of disrespect is outrageous because man, we can do yeah. a little bit better. Not even low, we can do a lot better, man. Yeah, something but just like what just, turns off, bro? Like what makes me say, "Hey, yo, you want to slide my dick tonight?" In a DM, that's gonna work. How that gonna work, bro? Like, please, like you want to slip inside on this dick? Like, bitch, was that like, like how sway? <sighs> if like, come on, dog. I can say that at my chick now because she's married to me. Like, I, I just, I, 
just dumbfounded. I don't know, dude. I don't like, know. I, like, I don't under, like, I'm glad I'm out the game because, god damn, if I try to be genuine, this bitch, it'd be difficult as a motherfucker. Like, god damn. I'm sorry, I'm being real because that's that's what bothers me the most. Like, these women are getting disrespected, and it is just it's bothersome. It is. It that's is. wild. Like, I'm surprised women, y'all don't talk about this on your, I mean, y'all do talk about this on podcasts. Yo, definitely do. Yeah, y'all definitely do. I was about to give y'all credit. And I, that's I what like, I want to do. I want to go on some more, like, women-based podcasts. That's what I want to do and chop it up. With see, our- I don't want to be the typical, you've been seeing what has happened lately with black Uh-oh. men on podcasts Uh-oh. and these females Uh-oh. shit. Uh-oh. I, well, I, I mean, I definitely, I've had, I mean, I have a you horn have, you it's, have, fun. Yeah. it's fun. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, just wh- whomever. I have fun with whoever comes on mm-hmm. here, but there's a certain, again, vulnerability, and there's just, there's, they can be, when you're hanging out with your guys, and this yeah. is what I feel like has always been a common trope, like a common theme that has been an issue with hanging out with your guy friends growing up. Mm-hmm. There's just going to be certain things that y'all talk about. Yes. And it's going to live within that realm for the most part. Maybe if you can do like I was talking about with my dad, and you can get one of them away for a little bit, and it's just y'all two hanging out something deeper may come out for the most part. But when everyone's hanging out as a group, it don't usually get that it get deep. Dumb. It gets dumb. It gets dumber and dumber. Fast. The more niggas you throw in the circle, the dumber it gets. Right? Usually speaking. And over exaggerated too. Right. But when I'm around women, it, it doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to be like the theme of it. No. It doesn't seem to get that way. No. Much more vulnerable, much more open to just mm-hmm. talking about ping-ponging ideas about all different sorts of stuff and being open and as open and honest about it as we are capable of in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful time. So I have a great time with it. The only thing that I really try to do is, you know, walking from the car yeah. here back yeah. to the car, yeah. right? Because you're, you're, you're talking about DMs being wild. It's a real threat and a, and a real fear for many women to, to walk from a car to a house. Yes. Especially if it's not noon and the sun is at its highest point. Facts. You know what I mean? Like, that's real. Mm-hmm. So, like, just, you know, small things like that, just trying to be considerate in, in mm-hmm. whatever ways I can I can figure yeah. out, I can muster. No, nah, man. Like, I think these, uh, this situation is so bad. Um, I feel bad because it's like, I know most of these guys did not grow up like this or be this. Like, I understand you're going to be straightforward sometimes and you... You might get lucky off on nice and that it ain't cute. It ain't ain't nothing. That's, that's the thing is you have to think because that's not for the most part. Like we're adults now, yes. So that's not the first woman that they tried that on. No. And so I'm thinking, what is what is what is the percentage? Like what is the hit rate? I want to see the batting percentage on that line. That's what I'm saying. And if you're, I, if some women are down with that rhetoric and they're accepting those propositions. Then they're getting some backing. They're getting some yeah. reassurance. Like, oh shit! Like, okay. See, I don't blame women when they post certain stuff, be more promiscuous online or anything like that. It's your body, your choice, whatever. I learned that very, very early with my wife. My wife does pole dancing. I remember one of the first things I had a conversation with her about because she posted something online. And I thought I was like, eh, that's a little too much. And I remember as soon as I said that, I was like, well, you, that ain't nothing compared to what you see. And I was like, you know what? This is not a fight that I'm probably going to win. <laughs> And do I, I do I need to die the, the, on this the, hill? The, the, no, I don't need. And and I, I really would love to see the batting percentage because I'm like, dude, y'all can't be like that. 
Most of the women I know, y'all can't be like that. <laughs> yeah, most of the women I know are very smart, intellectual women that love to have show their sexy side. That's fine. Very That's true. great because, yeah. like, I don't expect nothing less from you. Not saying nothing less, like, oh, you don't have no brains. No women. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, like, you want to show your side in a certain way online. That's fine. That's completely fine. You shouldn't feel harpered by what you get in your DMs by that, everything like that. But turn the point of my podcasting. I would love, love, love to have more female cast because I think that I did Farm the Couch, which was the Spencer one. That was all female LBGTQ. Thank you. I was going to mess up that letters. <laughs> I don't want, I want to, con- and the words Dave Chappelle, I don't want to conjure that wrath. Yeah. Um, nah, I'm not famous enough. I'm an effortless, uh, uh, famous people out here. But anyway, um, the one thing that, that she they she was very big on is bringing females together and being united and it really spoke to me because it was like she wants to do that for her community and men out here can't really say that and when I see uh, I'm not saying like Kevin Samuels because some of his points were a little bit out there but if you it's these hot clickbait situations that these podcasters get in I'm like I want the full clip you can take something and make a judgment on something within six minutes of a clip because for example. Uh, the cl- I showed the clip to my wife. It was about one black guy and a room full of women. Or it was, so it was on Spiritual World or uh, some other uh, Embracing Black Coach, some other IG, right? And the black guy asked the woman, he's like, what do you bring to the table besides food, uh, clean up the house, this and there? I can get all this bought. And she brought it. He, he, he said like that. Wow. I, I, he said like that. He, he said like that. She was like, well, I make the house to home, all this stuff. Like, I make all this stuff house to home, like the Southern tradition. And what he immediately said back to her was, I can get all that. I can, I can pay I, for I can that. pay for that. I can pay for my groceries to be at the front door. I can pay for this. So what are you bringing to me? And that's what he was saying. And I'm, I sent it to my wife as a joke. And of course, I had a conversation <laughs> <laughs> about it. But I told her, I was like... A passionate one. I'm, I'm not, she tried to make a fight like... The whole house of home thing. I was like, but babe, if you really want to be on what he's saying is, I can buy that. What can you make me that's intrusive? What can you intrigue me, yeah. me more? Or besides doing the normal house stuff, can you, like for me, it was three things. I told her this and she was like, okay, I understand. I was like, I got to see how you build. I want to see how you build personally and with your friends. I got to see how you move. Okay, I got to see how you, how you move between you and your friends. That's two different things and it can be elaborate on everything else. Um, and the third thing I see, I have to say is how, uh, do, how are you my peace? Those are three things, simple things I asked for. Uh, what's the last one? How are you my peace? How are you my peace? All right, explain that one. So that one's like, how do you, how do, are you my peace? It fits kind of to the way I was saying earlier. Like, um, do you make my life harder for me? And in terms of, you make life easy. My wife makes my life easy. I'm not saying what she does for me, but how we interact with each how other. How you all build we, together. We build together. How you, my peace. Are you bringing me with more solutions and problems? Are you bringing me more, uh, I'm bringing a steak to the table. Do you have a tomahawk in the back for me? Like, right. like what are, that's how I say, how are you, my peace? Um, I don't say that as like, Oh, I need someone like me, me and my wife, we, we straight. We don't need no really money, but it's like how that's my three things. Her, Stuff is different from mine. Everyone loves differently. I don't expect her to say the same thing as me. That's fine. A lot of people don't understand that. But for men, we're not really, I want to say really now is like, make the, the 
I understood what he was saying. Let me backtrack this. Like, I was into what he was saying. He was like, what can you make of that? And that's what I read from it. But I understand my wife's same point is like, I can make your house a home kind of conversation. I can understand that too. But I understand what his viewpoint was. I can use money. What can, are you worth more than money? And when I got, when she got in that, she's like, I didn't really think about it like that. I was like, see, this is a conversation that can be elaborated on, not just a six minute clip of, oh, you can do this in the house. You can cook clean. No, you can be bought. No one elaborates, oh, you can be bought. That part, he never elaborates on. I was like, if you elaborate that to these women, because men, I understand, we're very short in the way we talk. These women want more words. If you say something that quick, I guarantee she's going to be coming back at you with knives. Like, it's not as simple as a chess move. You have to elaborate on that move for that person to understand how you move. So, yeah, man. Like, I, I, would, I would have to agree on that. Yeah. So, it, when I've, I had this conversation with my homegirl, Gemma, too, and she was the same way. She was like, it, he was really legit answering her question. And my wife tried to make it with all men. I was like, see? You can't do absolutes. That was that always you talked you about. You can't do absolutes. You can't do that. You never do. You always do. He all. Yeah, you we can, can't do that. You we can't, can't do, do absolutes. Right. There's some men that will say this right, yeah. and they won't elaborate it. But you take that as, oh, he just say I can be bought. No, it's not like that. It's like, how can you be my piece? Money don't. He basically say money don't mean a goddamn thing. I can do what the fuck I want. What do you add to it? But, but I'm asking you, in, mm -hmm. intrinsically, mm -hmm. what do you hold? That's mm -hmm. what you're asking. Yeah. Intrinsically, mm -hmm. where does the value truly lie? And your ass and titties. I can tell you that. It yeah, is a very yeah, nice yeah, yeah. asset, though. I'm not going to lie. It's a very nice asset. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, sir, this here mm -hmm. is called the Any Last Words Pod. Ooh, yes. It's called the Any Last Words Pod. Well, for various reasons. This is going to have neither here nor there. But mm -hmm. we do like to leave off mm -hmm. with some last words for the people. Okay. Uh, you don't have to go first if you mm -hmm. if you want to try to cook something up. It it does. It could be about anything we spoke about today. It could mm -hmm. just simply be. It could be whatever comes into your mind. Anything at all. I will start off with first and foremost. This was fun. Oh, this was hella this, fun. This was, this was interesting. Just even the way it, it happened. Haven't seen you in I don't know how many years aside from just Again, passing each other at the gym. Because yep. yeah, it's been like four or five times. I'm like, is that that's Will. Like, that's that guy. Yeah. Like, that's definitely Will. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think I've seen a glance from you like, yeah. oh, I think that's Earl. Like, I've yeah. seen us have that interaction. So, is so, that the same black man? And so now we know. Okay, so yes. now we know. Um, But yes, after all these years to come mm -hmm. back and be able to do this, because we never were able to foster any sort of relationship because again no. you walked out and went to the casino yes so so we were, so we were never able to foster any sort of uh you know relationship so i'm really glad that we we're able to do this and i'm excited about coming and doing your podcast yes. as well that'll be super awesome yes uh so thank you for coming and spending your time here because mm -hmm. you did not have to come do this and i don't take that for granted at mm -hmm. all I, I thank you for coming and giving me off air all the game yes that you gave me and yes. i will be in contact with you for more yes because i do like to learn and yes that's been one of my biggest things about doing this podcast is i love listening to people mm. and i just sit back and just let people oh, like man. you said spin those wheels mm -hmm. and you just sit back and you just learn yes because everybody brings something to the table that you just have you don't know about yes 
you just can't. Yes. You can't know about it all, right? And yeah. so, especially with your own flavoring of experience mm-hmm. and where you've grown and mm-hmm. all these different things that you're doing, all these different disciplines mm-hmm. that you're honing in on, all these different crafts that mm-hmm. are super fucking awesome, yeah. jujitsu, comedy, yes. podcasting, you're in the IT field, like you're doing all this sort of shit. Yeah. And that's fucking awesome. So you're already in just a very, uh, I guess, magnetic sort of character. Yes. In and of itself. Yes. Uh, so thank you for coming here and doing all of this. Mm-hmm. I, again, like I said, I will be talking to you about some more mm-hmm. of this stuff because the it's the the marketing and the technological side of things that I'm going to be taking some some uh, leaps in. Okay, you know, I got I got to talk to you about off topic about the uh, marketing because there might be a girl that you might want to holler at and she's really dope because I'm about to holler at her too. So we're gonna get into that later. But I'm gonna say first thing I didn't. You said I did not have to be here. Yes. I wanted to be here yes. because I want to see my people grow. And we've been in passing. I was like, oh, no, nah, this is a perfect time. We can actually chop up for it for once and chop it up and actually have that. And then the vibes are great. But for I'm going to leave the people is this. I'm going to say always move, never stay settled. You always want to move. The reason why you want to move, because if you don't move in this world, you will eventually not adapt to this world. Um, whatever you're doing, if you're a typewriter one day, you want to be a novelist, go ahead and try and be a novelist. If you want to, you're good with people, you're good with everything, help out with the homeless. Do what you can do in this world and be great. Um, and always, always move. Do not ever settle. And I will say that and take that with whatever relationship, relationship wise, work wise, however you want to do it. Do not settle. Always push that envelope. All right. That's all I got, man. I love that. And on uh, just to piggyback on that, when you say do not or just continue to move and do not stay stagnant, do not mm-hmm. get complacent, challenge yourself, move around, do mm-hmm. something, spark something. Mm-hmm. I tweeted this the other day is your mind is a muscle. Your mm-hmm. brain is a muscle as well. Mm-hmm. And if you do not use it, it will atrophy. Yes. The same with all these other things that you have to keep moving as mm-hmm. well. Keep it all moving. Continue to learn something as well mm-hmm. as moving your body around. You do not want to lose it oh, because yeah. that will happen. Yes. This is episode 122. Yes, I love it. Thank you, sir. Thank you again. Thank Peace, you. everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace. Peace.